so we're back in double build territory and at a career stage where Nam Knight Shoya had given us a frenzied taste of what he could do in terms of splatterific special effects fun in the form of the seventh curse for producer Wong Ji. And for Wonder Movies tonight, it actually did premiere merely weeks before the seventh curse, but we saved this Wong Jing starring vehicle called the Ghost Snatchers for this episode. Plus, in the second half, Chin Siu Ho fights a kangaroo in Killer's Nocturne. And uh, my eyebrows are raised and were raised when I first saw it. How about yours, listeners? We'll find out. Welcome to the Director Series 4 on the Podcast on Fire Network. My name is Kennedy. With me is Hong Kong Dave and Tom KW. <laughs> So, hey, hello. Hong Kong Dave and Tom KW. Hello. Hello. Not Nam Night Choid out yet? No, no, not so. No. no it, it, I mean, we're probably in the latter, latter, uh, latter half or midpoint in terms of his career, but I think we, we still have a few more episodes to go, and I might as well, you know, if uh, listeners are curious about how we're going to structure the rest of his the coverage of him, which is as close to complete coverage as we can. Uh, so we're doing, as we said, the Ghost Snatches and Killers Nocturne tonight. Next episode is Her Vengeance, uh, multiple versions of Her Vengeance. So that that's one more. Next after that is The Peacock King and Saga of the Phoenix. One is uh, uh, Saga of the Phoenix is the sequel to Peacock King, so that's the second episode. And I'm not sure if we're... If we're going to do a rotted ghost story and story of Ricky in the same episode or not, because story of Ricky seems to uh, it, it seems to be a prime uh, candidate for bringing in uh, uh, some episodes of the anime. I, I have a, an edition which has at least uh, two episodes of the anime on there. So, so I don't know how we're going to incorporate the rotted ghost story and story of Ricky if they're going to be in one or not. But uh, so uh, you know, I. I at this point, I can't even say how many episodes there will be uh, will be there for. But well, what we have left is uh, is Herb Endians, The Peacock King, Saga of the Phoenix, Erotic Ghost Story, Story of Ricky, and finally The Cat, which is uh, will be the coverage of my favorite Nam Night Joy movie. Uh, have you guys seen The Cat? Uh, in part, bits right. of. I've never seen the whole thing. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. probably, probably The Cat versus Dog fight you've seen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, you know, yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is a sequence that is not, uh, seemingly not uh, a sequence where the animals got hurt. It's a very clever mixture of uh, of uh, special effects, effects uh, trickery. They might have, like, thrown the cat a little bit hard across the hood of a car, not at the hood of a car. But but cats, cats tend to la- land uh, quite, uh, you know, on their feet anyway. So it didn't seem like they were torturing the animals. It's a very clever sequence. That's in 19... 19- 92. We're still in 1986 and 1987 for Ghost Snatches and Killers Nocturne. So let's have fun with that. You, of course, are listening to the Director Series on the Podcast on Fire Network. The website with this show and all the other shows is at podcastonfire.com. Contact us via email, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. We're also on the forum, contactable on the forum, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum. There you'll find, uh, after you register, a section called Members Only, where we have past, uh, 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 past the hours of uh, extra content from the show, cut conversations and exclusive content only for that section. But exclusive content for a section is now 
the bonus episodes on the website instead we've done about uh, three i think at the time of recording so when you hear this it might actually be four or five and one bonus episode we're doing for the director series is for director series five uh, we are looking at kiss of death the Shaw brothers movie that is said to be the one that inspired her vengeance her vengeance is a, is a remake seemingly of kiss of death how faithful the remake is or if it's just taking the main template uh, we'll see but uh, I've, I haven't seen it and I'm curious to see it uh, so um, that that'll be a prime prime opportunity to do that we are also on Facebook you can uh, look up our fan page which is located at facebook.com forward slash POF network and we also have a continual discussion going on in our discussion group which has no firm URL so go to the Facebook search box and type in the podcast on fire network and you'll get a you, you, you'll get to the discussion group that way and you, you'll have to basically request to be uh, to be added which I always see immediately I'm all immediately notified so you're, you'll get in quick whoever you are Unless you're a spam bot or anything like that, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, after six months, I might f- figure out something. Hmm, that's a spam bot, possibly. That's posting. Look at this Miley Cyrus video. Click here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it takes a while for 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 it to sink in in me anyway. So we'll see. Uh, we are also on Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I, Kennedy, do my writing at SoGoodReviews.com and SleazyKVideo.com is the place where you'll find the video reviews for the main reviews. And at the time of recording, again, there, there, might, be, uh, there might be a few updates uh, after, uh, after uh, when you listen to this, there might be a few more updates. But at the time of recording, I put up Red Spell Spells Red, a sort of black magic Hong Kong horror movie from the early 80s which is uh, great fun. Should have been called Scorpion Horror really because it's uh, mainly uh, that's the main animals that uh, the creepy crawlers of that one and it's from the makers uh, almost the entire filmmaking team of Centipede Horror so they were hitting on a theme at least for two movies which is fun and I'm also on Twitter twitter.com forward slash so good reviews Podcast on Fire Network is available on iTunes, so rate and subscribe us. But if you, if you prefer listening to us uh, streaming instead, you can do that via Stitcher. Download Stitcher from Stitcher.com to your computer or to your smartphone and stream us that way. If you want to add any of the shows, just type in Podcast on Fire Network and all the shows will pop, pop up for, uh, for you to add them individually. And without uh, dating uh, Hong Kong gig guide as such, because we don't know exactly when this episode comes out, uh, what do you want to say there for, uh, about Hong Kong gig guide, Hong Kong Dave? Yeah, it's, you, uh, you might actually be in Hong Kong when this episode comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's quite a few more things, uh, shows coming through for April and May, uh, including uh, another really, you know, really good looking show that I'm going to miss by a few days. So that's a. Uh, that's kind of what's happening there at the minute. What does a good-looking show mean in this case? Um, Will there be girls there, or what are you talking? Uh, well, in fact, in fact, for this band, there probably is. It's uh, so a local band called uh, Cho Chuck Mo. They're kind of, uh, yeah, they got they've got quite a notable uh, uh, female following. So. Okay. <laughs> and you uh, you were going to miss that? Uh, yeah, yeah, by like about three or four days, I think. <laughs> Is it a, uh, what's the demo for them? Is it uh, 12 to 14 year olds or are we talking older no, females? No, it's kind of, um, 
Slightly kind of arty, kind of twenty-somethings, uh, kind of right. crowd, kind of thing. But we've, you know, we've quite, you know, quite a notable, uh, uh, larger female following than a lot of sort of local bands get. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, and again, without without dating your contributions to uh, vcinemashow.com, Tom, what do you want to say about your contributions to that site? Yeah, just check them out. I'll be. Uh... Posting, I probably post a lot more casually than David does, but uh, <laughs> keep on the lookout because there'll be uh, yeah some stuff there. You are after all there. busy. Uh, you're after all busy on this network too, so it's not like you yeah. can uh, fit in an extreme amount of writing. But they're they're, they're, they're not require requiring you to either. You know, it's not like no, you must write five five reviews per month for your. You'll get a warning. <laughs> no, they got a lot of great writers over there uh, already, so I'm just kind of adding my own little bit to it. You're one of the great writers as well, my friend. Oh, cheers, Ken. <laughs> Too <Yeah>. kind. Too <laughs> kind. <laughs> and uh, an additional plug for um, the Milky Way Wonderland, uh, David Lamb's Doodles, which is art, which is done for free and out of kindness for this show. Uh, he did our The Night of Nights uh, Po- uh, show post art uh, based on what he heard of a show and uh, even has been doing art for stuff that we are that is coming up on the network including for this show uh, uh, like a week or two ago I got a doodle for a um, uh, based on a key scene in Killer's Nocturne that David sent through and uh, what that is you'll find out if you go to the show post at podcastonfire.com when this uh, episode is posted and you'll see uh, the, uh, the the masterful art that David has put together it's so it's so spot on I think so uh, the, um, go to his site milkywaywonderland.wordpress.com so let's start the director series for Double Bill Experience then and we'll start with The Ghost Snatchers as we talked about released in 1986 and we'll uh, we'll uh, talk of some some actors that, that are in there that are and actresses of note. We actually won't cover, be covering Wong Jing as such because I think, uh, you know, as much as we love him, we also hate him, but we also have covered <laughs> him on various shows. So uh, we won't focus on him as such during this episode because it is Nam Nai Choi after all, and Wong Jing is uh, noticeable uh, all over the place otherwise. So we'll give him a skip this time and jump to Joey Wong instead. And David is here to tell us a little bit about the career of uh, Joey Wong. Yep, uh, Joey Wong was uh, born on the 31st January 1967 and after the uh, obligatory stint in modelling started her cinematic career in 1983 with the film Lake Sprite. Her first uh, significant work was uh, Choi Hark's 1985 film uh, Working Class with Sam Hoy and Teddy Robin. Just about uh, everyone in the Hong Kong film industry has worked with Wong Jing at some point in their career and in 1986, Joey made Ghost Snatchers for him. Film, uh, you know, film also features uh, Joyce Cadenzi, Chen Wei Man, and uh, Charlie Cho. Clothed. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. Surprise. <laughs> she made uh, five other films in 1986, including the Samo Hung Starrer with Officer Tuba. Uh, 87, saw her appear in two huge films, The Legend of Wisely with uh, Sam Hoy. And the uh, massively popular A Chinese Ghost Story with the, the late Lizzie Chung. Um, more than a dozen uh, different roles followed over the next two years, including the smash hit God of Gamblers with uh, Cho Yun Fat and uh, Andy Lau. Um, she had uh, a very busy 1990, making 12 films uh, with a 
further nine the next year, including the third and last a Chinese ghost story film. It's got like uh, a female equivalent of Simon Yam for like a year or two, you know, movies, <laughs> movies, 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 movies. Yeah, pretty much. Um, she worked a lot with uh, uh, Wong Jing and uh, Andy Lau at this point in uh, her career, making amongst uh, other films, uh, Casino Tycoon and uh, The Prince of Temple Street. Uh, she also worked with uh, Wong Jing again on uh, Jackie Chan City Hunter in uh, 1993. Uh, 93 was also uh, her last major year in film with uh, you know 10 credits, including roles in uh, Choi Hark's Green Snake, uh, Michael Max's Butterfly and Sword, and uh, uh, Jeff Lau's The Eagle Shooting Heroes. After that, she made just five films in the subsequent decade, uh, including her today final film appearance in Shanghai Story uh, before retiring to Vancouver, Canada, where she uh, remains to this day. Shanghai Story, I think, was made round about, just to cover my ass here, 2002, 2005, 6, 7, round about that. It's a mainland film, I think. Mm. Uh, but but it's, uh, it was kind of low-key. It was not like, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the whole internet blew up just because there was another Joey Wong movie. But... Uh, uh, and I, I haven't seen it actually. I've lost kind of track of it, uh, but uh, uh, I do remember it. So hopefully she's uh, living, living well, and uh, you know, uh, maybe not off her career, but uh, off other endeavors and all of that. Uh, you know, it, w- what an incredibly beautiful and iconic actress this is. You know, uh, surely cause for eye candy every now and again. Well, surely I know she was. But her yeah. iconic status was reached via iconic presence. That that, that skill, that not, not just not just gorgeous presence, and obviously, a Chinese ghost story pushed, you know, pushed her into the forefront. But also a a, a victim angle in movies. She was so she she was portrayed as a victim and made into a victim in certain movies. So. To, to quite a distressing degree even in movies like A Hearty Response with uh, Chiang Fat, which by the looks of it looks like a cute romantic comedy, and, and it is. And then Xiu uh, uh you know, rapes the shit out of her in like for five, ten minutes in that movie, and it's n- not pretty. But, you know, she was very brave. I, you know, I, I... Game and brave, and I... You know, it's not like we are cheering on Shun uh, Wai, you know, it's absolutely horrible. But, you know, it turns up again in An Eye for an Eye, where she's on the receiving end of uh, Jimmy Long Fung's violence. But, uh, she, you know, she, she, is, she is terrific, I think. And seeing her gorgeous image uh, sexied up incredibly well in Choi Hawk's uh, Green Snake is, uh, you know, a career high and such a treat for all of us. And when I mean sexied up, it's not the nudity we're talking about, because it... it her and Maggie Chung together as the you know the snakes. They, it is incredibly erotic, actually, without being uh, an erotic ghost story or anything like that. Agree, so, yeah. so, so, so it's a nice little high for uh, for her in terms of that. You know, getting a uh, doing a period movie that wasn't necessarily about a flying sword and eagle shooting heroes in that regard. Uh, I've seen eagle shooting heroes. I don't remember shit about her role in that one because I don't know. I, I don't know what happened in Eagle, in Eagle Shooting Heroes, but having said that, but, but, but it's fun, it's loud and fun and energetic and everybody seems to have a good time and that was enough for me. Yeah, it's such a yeah. fa- fast-moving film with such a big cast that uh, not all the roles uh, register you know, really strongly just because you know, it's such a, like a mile-a-minute kind of uh, filmmaking. Did you uh, pick up 
a fair amount from it being familiar with stuff that it's referencing, or you just took it as a, a ride? Yeah, I kind of uh, watched it and went with it. You know, it's uh... it, it, you know apparently it uh, has a lot to do with uh, the. Uh, uh, Jin Jong's Ashes of Time. You know, obviously it has characters from Ashes of Time. I saw Ashes of Time bef- before Eagle Shooting Heroes. It didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> no, after, yeah, that's him from Ashes of Time, but that's about as firm of a connection I could make. But uh, you know, it, it's good fun. It literally feels like a pinball machine in the open. Oh yeah, uh, uh, because it's so cranked. And, but but it, uh, it it fits. It fits. So, uh, uh, but. Um, that's my kind of love letter for Joey Wong. Uh, how, how, ep- uh, how, how epic is your love letter to Joey Wong, Tom? Uh, pretty epic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's just uh, she's just very beautiful and, and just a cute presence in uh, a lot of the films, especially her A.E. stuff, where she was kind of in that flower kind of ass kind of era of her, of her career. And I think it was with Chinese Ghost Story where she really kind of bro- broke out as, you know, an actress who, who had some chops. Um, and I think since then her career has really been, you know, the kind of ups and downs. But I think overall she's always a very likable presence in, in everything she does. And I love, yeah, love seeing her on screen. Yeah, it kind of speaks to your skill, doesn't it? When, you know, you, you come off as likable and not not uh, flower vase uh, in a way that you start to dislike, not her, but the person's who put her in movies, you know, mm. uh, that, that, that you kind of feel sorry for her for being cast, uh, <laughs> you know, below her abilities or anything like that. No, no, that, that was, like, never the case. I mean, uh, you know, it, it was, was just always... Growth. Just... It was just a growth as an actress, I suppose. I think it was just... As you can you can see her kind of getting more and more confident in her mm. roles. And there's some, there's some films where she doesn't have a lot of dialogue and she's just there, and then she'll kind of start to go later throughout the 80s as, you know, having a bit of dialogue and having larger roles. And then as as we get to kind of Chinese Ghost Story, which is probably a defining role, I think a lot of people would, would agree. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And, uh, I mean, it, it's it's such a f- fantastic filmography. Looking at it, oh, that movie was great. Oh, that was fantastic. And a lot of underrated movies, like uh, Web of Deception, where she plays the two roles. It's a, a murder mystery of her with her and Bridget Lynn. Uh, that was really great. Uh, uh, my heart is that Eternal Rose. Everybody likes. I wasn't too keen on that, but uh, she's in that uh, Missing Man, uh, which is a thriller. I will bring uh, bring up on the podcast on Fire Show uh, that I rewatched for our Nobody's Hero commentary because it's uh, one of Sunny Fang's finest roles in Missing Man. Mm. Or also a mystery thriller that Hong Kong doesn't do enough of, uh, and when yeah. they do, it's not necessarily a good thing because they feel the need to spice it up with. Uh, Wackiness and goofiness, but uh, not that one. Mm. And uh, yeah, just great. The, re- the reincarnation of Golden Lotus, I remember, was really solid as well. A Clara Law movie, uh, one of the finest posters out there for a Hong Kong movie, was for that one. Apparently, did Point of No Return with Sammo. Don't remember her, but uh, uh, no, 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 it's not that Point of No Return. Actually. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I confused it. The, yeah. the, um, the one I was thinking of is uh, Touch and Go by Ringo Lam, uh, yeah. okay, Point of No Return. But this is now another one with uh, Jackie Chung. So, uh, pardon me. <laughs> pardon me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, very, it, it's um, it's always comforting to look at one of her movies. Uh, I guess that's how I summarize uh, yeah. it up. Uh, but be prepared if you go into a hearty response and eye for an eye. Uh, they they are not nice to her in that movie. 
but they're great movies. They're absolutely fantastic movies. But uh, be, be prepared. It's not uh, fun to see uh, Joey abused. But uh, she she was into it. You know, they they took it for a ride and then some, and and the stuntman probably that uh, substituted Joey Wong for some stuff because yeah, it's abused to that regard in, in that way as well where they throw her into stuff and shit like that. So, uh, so so all good kind of distressing fun. <laughs> Anyway, moving on to uh, one of the leads, the co-lead of uh, The Ghost Snatchers, uh, old Stanley Fung. So, David, take it away. Yeah, uh, Stanley Fung was born in 1945, started his cinematic career in 1967 with uh, Two Rose With Love for Cho Yun, with whom he also made four other films before the turn of the decade. Uh, during the early 70s, Stanley made a couple of films each for Cheng Che and uh, Lo Wei. <laughs> yeah, who, who, who? I, I have never noticed him. I don't know if he's starless, but uh, I, yeah, I never it, noticed it, him. Uh, I don't know if there's even support, uh, if there's even supporting roles for those filmmakers. So, in the, in some of his early uh, early films, he's definitely uh, without the moustache. Because uh, I've seen a few pictures, and I'm kind of looking at this, looking at it, and thinking, yeah, that looks like him. I'm kind of picturing, you know, I'm kind of penciling in a moustache in in my mind, kind of <laughs> just to just to see if it's Don't him. draw on the TV again, David. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But, but there's a few shots where you can definitely see see that it's him. Huh. So that's that's, uh, that's quite fun. Uh, in '74, in he made his directorial debut with The Looks of Hong Kong. He has to date directed seven other films, including uh, 1989's Return of the Lucky Stars. Um, in '75, he re- reunited with Choi Yun for *Lover's Destiny*. His uh, film career stalled somewhat in the late '70s, so he, he worked in TV for a few years. Um, in '81, he worked in the TV miniseries *No One Is Innocent* for co-directors Clarence Fock and Johnny Toe, uh, which was the same year he appeared in the Hoy Brothers classic uh, *Security Unlimited*. Can you recognise him in Security Unlimited then? If yeah, uh, you he's, remember his role he's, he's recognisable as the Stanley Fung that we all kind of uh, uh, know and love today. You know, you know, moustache. full moustache. You know, <laughs> the big, tall, like, lanky, uh, lanky guy. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's recognisable him for sure. Yeah, um, more high-profile roles start to come his way from this point, with appearances in uh, Winners and Sinners, Bills on Meals, uh, Intellectual Trio. My Lucky Stars, uh, Pom Pom, uh, The Lunatics, uh, Dragons Forever, and uh, The Romancing Star. As the uh, 80s turned to the 90s, his, uh, his output began, uh, began to slow. Uh, between 93's uh, thrilling story and his uh, comeback in 2004 with Love is, uh, many a stu- yeah. Love is a Many Stupid Thing. It's a very stupid title. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, he only made uh, uh, one film, uh, 1996's How to Meet the Lucky Stars. Since the 2004 comeback, he has uh, popped up every year or two in a, in a significant role, gaining added uh, vis- visibility in the last year or so with strong roles in the two I Love Hong Kong Lunar New Year films. Yeah, How to Meet the Lucky Stars, by the way, that was a charity movie, if I'm not mistaken, um, for... Someone I've forgotten about who, who <laughs> it might have been. I don't know. I think it might have been Low Way. They had a charity movie uh, for him that he was, you know, that was luck or something like that. But they, they, it was a sort of a star studded uh, uh, Lucky Stars movie, including um, 
including the, the whole Lucky Stars gang, except uh, Charlie Chin and uh, Jack Chan, I guess. I think Sammo might have been in it. But, uh, hmm. Let's pause right there. Insert music to see if Ken is speaking shit. Talking <laughs> is shit it, it's, it's a cameo role, I think. Mate, I think he's got a cameo role. Yep, it? yep. That was it. Uh, yeah. In the beginning and at the end, essentially. So, uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, I've seen that twice, actually. So, it was kind of <laughs> there. Bri- uh, uh, once when I didn't review stuff and once when I did review stuff. Both times I came to the same conclusion. Why is this movie so fucking long? <laughs> <laughs> But it did have uh, it did have Francois Yip, so it uh, kind of softened the blow a little bit. Um, Stanley, he he could be a fun dry presence to me, you know, very low key in his humor. But uh, it could also, because of that, not be very funny at all, depending on the movie. Uh, so, but what I take away though mostly, because I I like when people's careers take unexpected uh, turns and dips when they do stuff you don't expect from them and uh, as David said he, he did direct movies about seven or eight movies and one of them is the fantastic martial arts horror hybrid from Golden Harvest called The Phantom Killer uh, which he's not in by the way and uh, also in, in the Lunatics that they've uh, mentioned that there is disturbing debut of the Lunatics he, he has a you know, really down to a dramatic role, and uh, I think it might have been the first movie where uh, where I was kind of aware of this guy's called Stanley Fung. So I, because I, I I've not seen that whole uh, section of eighties comedies, not all of them, uh, such. So it was a really, really good performance, and uh, and still today, a very, very shocking movie to watch, a uh, hard movie to watch, uh, and uh, just confirms that it. Even though people might be doing like 10 comedies per year, if you give them material and confidence, they, they will sort of turn our expectations uh, on its head and, uh, and give us some really, really solid stuff. Yeah, I definitely think he's, uh, he's one of those guys because he's done, he's done the sort of, you know, like sort of comedic stuff and, you know, people responded to it and he got lots of other roles in, in you know, comparable films, but. I think you know when he has uh, been given sort of uh, different kind of things like like the lunatics, and, you know he's shown he's uh, you know he's more than uh, more than capable of doing doing uh, those kinds of you know different kinds of films. He's in Girls Without Tomorrow as well, who holds this drama with uh, Maggie Cheung, and I remember that was a dramatic role as well. Yeah, he probably didn't do enough drama because I think he had the talent. I think he did. An awful lot of comedies. If you just look at his filmography, I think he maybe would have been nice to see him in a bit more kind of straight dramas. Yeah, I mean it's um, you know it's 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 like any, you know any actor that does, you know they do uh, you know a film they have a hit you know it, it probably uh, more so in Hong Kong than in a lot of other other places maybe just because you know the nature of the uh, nature of the industry at the time. But you know yeah he had a hit a comedy hit and then. Yeah, lots of other, you know, similar sort of roles kind of followed. But you know. I mean, it was part of a gang, obviously, when the Lucky mm, Stars yeah. broke. Yeah. So uh, all of a sudden, you need to pair all of them or some of them up and make another, yeah. uh, another Lucky Stars movie. And uh, and yeah. they did a few, a few of them. So three or four, I think, or maybe five or six. I don't know. It's five, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good handful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and even movies like they came to rob Hong Kong, which. Has has him and Eric Sang. Their 
kind of roles are very lucky stars in uh, in intent. I think they're you know as soon as they get a chance to possibly see someone naked, they're in that mode. You know, <laughs> try to peep. So, <laughs> which is in that case is a very is annoying. In the case of they came to rob Hong Kong, so. But um, one role I really dug seeing him in from the last few years is uh, Soi Chang's accident. Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. is, you know, you always say it's Stanley Fong. He he's grown way, way, way older, obviously. But man, what a fantastic role for him uh, as part of the uh, gang around Louis Ku that stages these accidents. And he he's the older one who seems to be losing his grip a little bit, his touch. Yeah. And uh, possibly was nominated for that role, and uh, deserved this. So I thought that was really a really good role for him. Yeah, he's in, definitely. He's in Vengeance as well. Really? The joint so yeah, yeah, joint so film. Can't remember his role now, but so that he's, he's listed. I can't remember what role he played, but he's listed in that as well. Well, the character is apparently called Tony Jung. So and he sees like ten or twelve people down in the uh, cast list. So, uh, yeah. uh, but. Uh, in the, I mean, the accident. It's definitely like uh, what you're just saying. It's you know, it's uh, another. You know, it's an example of you know, giving him other material to work with, and him, you know, him being uh, able to turn in a, a really good uh, performance. Mm-hmm. How how are the key roles in your mind, or what what does that mean in the terms of key roles? You know, I love Hong Kong, and I love Hong Kong 2012. I mean, um, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's playing essentially the same uh, the same 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 character. He's like uh, the fa- father of uh, a family, mm-hmm. it, you know, the sort of uh, the grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fairly uh, considering I mean, you know the film you know it being a, a, a lunar new year film and you know it usually means lots of lots of uh, kind of you know um, fast you know fast paced sort of wacky comedy. His his role is actually fairly uh, kind of fairly low key for the mm-hmm. film. He's he's just sort of you know he kind of pops up in in in, in some few key scenes, and he's sort of uh, you know, rather than being you know kind of you know uh, crazy and kind of wacky, he's kind of sort of uh, slightly dry, slightly dry sense of humour, mm-hmm. and he's kind of you know the sort of uh, the you know the sort of kind of wise older wiser sort of. Uh, male figure in the film but it's a uh, uh, well, 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 the dry aspect of him I've uh, liked when it worked uh, prior mm. you know because he's he's never been the, you know when he was you know for instance lined up with uh, Eric Tsang it was not like he had Eric Tsang like energy that was not his persona you know Eric Tsang was you know short and uh, short and wacky and uh, everybody sort of uh, spat on him and Stanley Fung was no, just different, more dry yeah. in the group. He's a straight man to the uh, yeah. comedy a little, duo. A little bit, yeah. 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 It's, it's like the, it's the, it's the necessary kind of contrast to that sort of, uh, uh, to the Eric Seng sort of character. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the sort of, uh, kind of, you know, is the response to that, you know. Just so, you know, you've got, you've got him, on the one, him on one side, you know, and, uh, you know, Eric Seng on the other. So two very different types of... Uh, you know, you know, archetypes just to sort of play off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what about you, Tom? Uh, do you have any more to add about he or Stanley? No, not really, yeah. Just uh, I think I would have liked to see him in more dramatic roles, and it's good that he, you know, he's appearing in a few, like, as we said, Vengeance and Accident, and, and I would have liked to see him uh, in more stuff. Cause I suppose as he's got older, he, he seems to have uh, grown more into his 
his looks, he seems kind of uh, has a bit more uh, an authority about him. So I'm guessing he can probably kind of start filling those roles of these kind of you know these old. I think he was. Uh, I think he might have been. What was his role in Accident? He was the... He, he was the older guy in the team around Stanley. Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, so... Lewis Koo. Uh, the, 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 the veteran in that three-four-man yeah. strong team that arranged all the accidents. So I think he can get more kind of these roles as veterans, as these more kind of, you know, senior people with a, a lot of kind of, you know, weight about their character. So, yeah, I mean, mm. I, I'll always kind of remember him from the Lucky Star series as, uh, as, as I said, the, the straight man to the kind of the antics, but... Yeah, I mean, he has always been good in these dramatic roles, and I hope we see more of him in, in the next few years. And you like that sort of dry, straight yeah. sensibility of his? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think it depends. I mean, talking about the film we're talking about tonight, I think it depends who he's playing off. I think it, with him, it's all about kind of the comedic actor that he's, he's playing with, because some films can go well, some films can go bad. But I don't think I have a personal problem with, with him and his acting style. I mean, he's, um, we're talking about him sort of being kind of a, having a slightly kind of dry humour. It's kind of very much like that in the, the Holy Brothers movie Security Unlimited, which, you know, which is, as the title suggests, that, you know, it's a group of security guards. You know, as in Private Eyes, you've got Michael Hoyes playing the sort of, uh, you know, kind of arsehole boss kind yes. of thing. And, <laughs> you know, he's one, one of the group and... Um, yeah, he's just, you know, anyone who can kind of fit in that kind of uh, company and, you know, you, more than, you know, hold his own is, you know, is, uh, yeah, he, he obviously, re- you know, really knows what he's doing and, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's good fun, really good fun. Right on, so it's time to move on a little bit more towards the ghost snatchers and talk about views on that one. So a little bit of plot first from yesasia.com. Uh, Wong Jing starts as Bong, a harried security guard for the Fox Center building, which is about to realize its cursed Feng Shui. A fortune teller warns Bong and Uncle Fan, played by Stanley Fong, that the two are cursed um, to die soon, thanks to their yin horoscopes, a premonition confirmed by renowned exorcist Ling, played by Joyce Codensi, Samo's wife. Uh, what the frightened duo learns is that the Fox Center is full of the ghosts of evil Japanese soldiers. Are there any other kind in Hong Kong cinema? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and they're after people with yin horoscopes. And in order to save their own skins and for Bong to realize his dream of marrying girlfriend Joey Wong. Well, played by Joey Wong. <laughs> How is she called Joey, by the way? Let's check. Because <laughs> it's, it's almost like... Uh, oh, uh, no, it's uh, Shue. Or Shu. So it's not Joey. That would be more fun if, if it was Joey. Uh, but anyway, uh, to realize his dream of marrying girlfriend Joey Wong, Bong and Uncle Fan must go to hell and rout the ghosts. Um, okay, let's do as we always do. Go around the table. Brief views first. So why don't we start with you, Tom? Um, I, I think this film is a real step down from Seventh Curse. That would be my opinion. Anything is, but yeah. <laughs> I do, uh, you know, I do know. Any film yeah. is, yeah. It feels, it feels like, it feels like because I think he, you say Kenny, it was two weeks before Seventh Curse hit theaters. This one came out. Uh-huh. That yeah, I feel like maybe he was working on around the same time, or maybe he kind of forgot about this to work on Seventh Curse. But there's definitely a feeling of just doesn't have the kind of 
the energy the seventh curse has. Well, well, if we stop it right there, uh, it, it, there's a small theory I have about how uh, this movie came about. Because if you look at the credits at HKMDB, they credit uh, the special effects team as being called essentially the Shaw Brothers special effects team. And I wonder if this was a production Shaw Brothers had completed uh, a year or two earlier, but when they shut down, they passed it on to Golden Harvest uh, for distribution because it happened in the case of at least uh, one movie that I know of, uh, Eddie Fong's uh, Cherry Blossoms, where Chai Fat co-starring vehicle. Uh, so it might have been you know, originally a Shaw Brothers movie or uh, with its foot in Shaw Brothers somehow because uh, yes it's a special effects Shaw Bros Brothers stunt team in on HKMDB and I've never seen that as such so um, you know it, it's only a theory but uh, you normally didn't see Golden Harvest movies have credits for Shaw Brothers no, I uh, think di- you, uh, distinctly in that regard you know yeah I think you're on something there Ken I think that, I mean you definitely get that that feeling that it's kind of a film that someone's either you know, not a lot of effort is, is, has been put into it. It might have been a film that was there, or it seems half arsed like it's kind of maybe half done, or stuff was filmed, and then, you know, maybe Nemechko has gone back to it. it. It definitely feels like something that's... It doesn't feel like it's one man's kind of vision for a film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if we stop right there, let's move on to you, David, and your brief uh, opinion about the film. Um, it, Quite a contrast, actually. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I think it's... Um, I think... A lot of it's probably down to an my choice, actually. Um, yeah, I thought it was great fun, and, you know, that in any other hands other than his, might have been uh, more of, a, you know, just another kind of routine, kind of spooky movie, but uh, I, I really liked it. Yeah, I'm probably in between uh, you guys, therefore, because I, I can re- recognize its uh, weaknesses, but uh, when where it counts, it does quite okay when it brings in more special effects, a little bit of gore, and uh, more energy. But I do realize it's it's a step down, regardless of when it was uh, created, if you compare it to you know the high points in Nam Night Choice car- uh, filmography, it's not one that I would line up, you know, I would line it up again uh, alongside the Seventh Curse or anything like that. So, uh, mm. but but I, I don't at all mind it and it has some great stuff in it, including a scary face coming at you and a skyscraper under supernatural spells uh, a la Ghostbusters, five seconds in. You know, the movie like starts with the <laughs> You know, I'm comfy, you know, when uh, when the movie like, uh, let's turn on this movie, what's this like? And then a scary face all of a sudden, you know. And uh, it, it, I, I, I don't know why someone thought to put this in at the beginning either, that they have this all events and portions of fictitious card at the beginning of the film, which is normally at the end of the film, where they worried on someone's behalf that uh, someone might take this seriously, <laughs> that uh, all of this is true. Or it was just Hong Kong's uh, haphazard way of not, uh, or, or, or Hong Kong not knowing how to sort of structure credits at all times. So, uh, but uh, it, it's always noticeable when you're watching a movie when that turns up where where you normally uh, when you don't expect it to. So uh, that I like, but it, it is more of a comedy than a full-on, you know, splatter horror movie or anything like that, which is has its drawbacks and uh, and positives, I guess. Uh, uh, I mean, it has probably the first movie we've encountered in this series because we didn't get to see Free Stooges go undercover that has pronounced comedy beats from Nam Night Choi. If you think about it, go, going back to One Way Only, that that was you know n- not 
lightweight points but not necessarily comedy. Brothers from the Wall City, not a comedy. <laughs> Men from the gutter, Seth Curse. So he- here's our first non-nightshot comedy kind of. And, uh, and uh, so what do you basically think of it as a how it's structured as a comedy did 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 it make a law for instance david yeah actually i did i did um i mean it's got a lot of similar elements to to seventh ghost but the feel is very different it's a lot less uh it's a lot less uh fast paced less less frenetic although there you know there's still there's some uh quite sort of startling kind of violent moments in there as well but yeah, I actually you liked it. I actually would um, I would put it on a similar level to Seventh Curse myself. Right. But that's just, that's just um, that's just kind of my way. Actually, I, the the slower slower pace of of this against Seventh Curse actually sort of uh, actually think it helps. I think uh, for me, I mean, it looks it looks really nice. I mean, and and, and it being a little slower, it kind of uh, it registers uh, on on you know to me at least it, re- it registers on the eye a bit a bit easier because mm-hmm. it's not quite so sort of fast um, and I, I, that's the aspect of the film that uh, I really liked. Um, and there's one there's a scene that um, I really it was one scene I really liked. I just wanted to to bring up. It's when they're trying to recapture. Uh, the the soul Stanley Fung's souls, so he can mm-hmm. be uh, reanimated before he's dissected. Uh, it's just terrific. There's a great bit where Wong Jing wanders into the cinema when they're they're playing a, a nudie film. Yes, and you know the, the customers are shouting at him to get out of the way. It's just it's the way that scene looks. You've got you know this big shot of the cinema screen. There's this huge naked woman on one side. And a little tiny Wong Jing right next to her. It <laughs> sums up his career. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's just a terrific looking scene. It just looks fantastic. It just the way they put that together is just, it's a, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, they, they, that, that's one of the things that really made me laugh. That, yeah, it, it's fun bit. because they know Stanley Fung's character and they know that the soul has scattered all over the place. I yeah. think they go to a club or a gambling den or a pub or whatever and try to find him, and they go to the cinema to try and find part yeah. of the soul as well. So. I love that bit, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, David, you say that because I feel like uh, thinking about the film now is bringing kind of smiles to my face, but while I was watching it, I just didn't enjoy it. So I think I think my biggest problem with the film is Wong Jing because it's just it just murders the enjoyability of the film for me because I just found him so annoying and and I and I don't believe an idiot like him for a second is seeing a, a lady like a Joey Wong, um, but it's just a weird choice of actors for the two comedic roles because I think as we said Stanley Fung often plays a straight guy and it was weird seeing this around the same time as recently seen Lookout Officer where he plays a very similar role. Um, but Wong Jing pales in comparison to Stephen Chow. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, yeah. Go on, David. You know, in this kind of you know style of comedy, you know, Stanley Fung's like a you know a past master. Really, he can he can he can he can do it. It's, you know, it's been proven that you know he's it, that he can do it. And uh, you know, he's really good. And I think he he gives the film you know a really good foundation. But uh, you know, and uh, Wong Jing wasn't entirely awful. Mostly, but not entirely awful. Um, (laughs) He he shows why he, you know, it does show why he hasn't ever really developed that much of an acting career. I mean, as he's done, he's done a thousand other things, of course. But you know, he's just, you know, he's not, you know, he's he's not 
at ease. He doesn't look like he's sort of, um, you know, it doesn't look like it comes naturally to him, you know. And, and, yeah, and he's it, definitely playing the producer card even oh, uh, yeah, in, in yeah. Uh, d- during these times. You know, a few years ago there was a movie. I don't know which one it was, but I've seen a still of him in a hot tub, and there's some some someone way younger than him, and uh, that is going into the hot tub. And presumably there's either hints at a sex scene or an actual sex scene in in the movie I'm talking about. It might have been one of the Nick Jung uh, gambling movies that uh, Wong Jing directed. Uh, Wong Jing is like, like sit, sitting there in the hot tub, you know, like a trial boss or anything, but it looks so, oh my god, he must have produced and directed that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so uh, I, I didn't as such mind the relationship here, though. And I have said all of that, that Wong Jing wasn't uh, as much uh, part of this movie. I actually found a credit uh, for him as planner on the movie, co-planner, which means he oversaw a few things during the movie despite you know including casting possibly so uh, uh so so there you go but no firm producing credit as such um you know there's no flashy direction as such here but it, it looks like most like 80s hong kong comedies which is fine and uh, but it wasn't necessarily the sections where i sat up and was uh, very interested i i wanted to see if uh, nam Cho was gonna push uh pushing the special effects department in the gore department in the ghost department I, I i you know because now i'm fascinated by his uh, his apparent love for special effects and there, there, there is some stuff here including some really cheesy stuff that i find endearing uh, i mean singing out another scene you know the walking tv that appears during a way in one of the lighter spookier spookier sequences <laughs> you know it might have been a comment about how tv is in your face literally following you around or maybe it's just uh, an excuse for uh, being all uh, wacky and all of that. But uh, there is a pretty decent mixture of the goofy and the sort of disgusting horror as well. I think there was a scene where the the ghosts are feeding centipedes to unsuspecting, uh, seduced uh, males. You know, the, the female ghost. They think they're eating something else, I think. And, you know, that's always gets, uh, that always gets uh, audiences a bit, you know, on the, on the edge of the seat. Because no, not all people like, uh, you know, worms and maggots and creepy crawlers in general, you know. And, and, and during Hong Kong cinema, they were either forcing or had brave actors putting that shit in their mouths. <laughs> uh, look at Centipede Horror. There's a great actress uh, called Ma- Margaret Lee that during the final sequence in the film vomits up, you know, dozens of uh, live centipedes. Uh, as part of the story, but they don't fake it either. Oof. So, uh, you know, in, they, they were a game or forced to be game, but regardless, it's for our enjoyment and I, I do enjoy it. So, um, but uh, so on special effects, I, I want to signal out where, why I like this time a whole lot more than today's times. Today's kind of, you know, high tech times where effects still doesn't work as well as they did back then. For instance, the, uh, when you see the uh, Japanese soldiers, the ghosts, kind of being transparent and all of that, and mix all of that up with animated effects, this, uh, these effects, to me, and this is very personal, are still strong to me compared to most CG today. I'm into movies with these kind of superimposed effects rather than today's CG superimposed effects. That effects. That's why I don't think a Mr. Vampire movie would work today. It's not nostalgia. I just think it works way better when it's uh, uh, more of a cartoon on screen. 
You know what I mean? 100% agree. Yeah, 100% agree. So, what about you, David? Or are you, in terms of the CG of today's Hong Kong cinema versus the effects work of past Hong Kong cinema? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very much like that as well, not just for, for Hong Kong films. There's something about having, um, you know, the stuff kind of on screen, like more like phys- the physical effects and, you know, and you know, if they're using sort of wires for some scenes, and you know, kind of, it makes a difference. It looks, you can believe it more when you see CG and it's you know like cheap CG and it's done barely, you know, uh, for effects or for sort of blood splats and that kind of thing. <sighs> it it just it pulls you right out of the film. It just sort of, it just it it registers immediately. You you, you know, it's not a physical effect. And it just it, it just takes you out out of uh, out of what you're trying to trying to watch and you know the story of the film and yeah, oh, especially it, it was, CG blood that that's uh, borderline insulting to me yeah. the way they use it today. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen sort of extras on 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 uh, some films and I've, and you know they've shown sort of you know doing shown the uh, filmmakers making you know doing CG scenes and uh, you know for, you know like backgrounds and things like that and I thought. Oh, you know, when I was watching that that particular film, I didn't even uh, think that that, that that may have been CG. There it, you know, th- that kind of thing's you know fine, but where it's kind of just it's obvious that what it is is CG, and it, it's so obvious that you can't even suspend sort of disbelief. It's no. uh, I, I really don't like that at all. Just nice, look at the nice. scene where uh, George Gudensi is confronting uh, the ghost, or, or they are confronting her, together with Wong Jing in the parking garage, where where there's uh, you know animated effects uh, uh, all around George Gudensi, you know, uh, having a protective aura around her and Wong Jing with his hair standing up. <laughs> you know, that stuff is fine. And, and to to be honest, when Wong Jing falls out of frame uh, when he uh, faints at the end of the scene, that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's definitely like sort of a charm to sort of effects like that, and you know the yeah the the skeleton and and you know there's the sort of there is it's fun, but you know you're not going to get the same uh, you know CG wouldn't wouldn't play in the same kind of way you know you, you it would just you know there's no not really fun you know in sort of CG. It's just something to do with that having like a like a you know like an an anim- basic kind of a more sort of uh, a more basic animation or a sort of uh, you know like a physical effect. Mm-hmm. It's sort of I don't know you know it's sort of I don't know it's something that's fun about it and sort of uh, and it's kind of charming almost. It's, yeah, it, when they're actually trying and uh, and mm. uh, it's not charming in uh, because it's bad or anything. I think no. a, lot, a lot of the time in Hong Kong movies the, the effects are really really cool and strong. Yeah, uh, because they, there's care put into them. Uh, even though, even when they structure, you know, in certain movies they go really all out with uh, the animated effects and they are more all out than probably they should. But 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 there's yeah. an endearing aspect to that that they're trying a whole hell of a lot. And, uh, and you know, it, I, I'm so weak for it. You know, all the those. Um, Shaw Brothers movies where they, you know, throw energy bolts at each other and stuff like that. It's that stuff's great, you know, Battle Wizard and Buddhist Palm and what have you. And obviously Sue, to to uh, quite a large degree, is uh, responsible for making all of this work. I think Sue works uh, great still. I mean, uh, it's not uh, all of this in its infancy and it's not endearing uh, and it's not too much either. I think mm. Sue is uh, uh, 
such an important movie for Hong Kong cinema in that regard. Even for a movie like Ghost Snatches, it's uh, it's uh, they're not in the same league, obviously, but uh, it's uh, it's done with the same sort of frame of mind. That uh, the influence is felt on it. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, the sort of um, the thing with the uh, you know if, if with sort of CG and, and where um, you know it's just kind of used you know kind of for the sake of it. But um, you know that's yeah that's not yeah it's not a it's not a fun watch. But um, where you know the effects were less advanced in some respects, but they were sort of uh, they were made you know kind of crafted uh, with the idea of uh, you know with of telling the story and of moving the story on. Mm-hmm. So it sort of it it feels like it's meant to be there. You know it's it's like. It's, it's a, how yeah, was Stormriders? Pardon me. How was Stormriders in that regard? Have you guys seen Stormriders? Uh, that's the that's not the that's the first one, right? Right, the first yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of uh, <laughs> there's a couple Watch of funny se- funny scenes <laughs> in it. Not um, not necessarily from a, a technical uh, standpoint. <laughs> you don't you don't watch it and think, oh, you know, that just looks terrible. I think there's one scene where it's, I think uh, if I remember correctly. Nick Nick Say is is in there, and he meets uh, Ikin Chung's character. I think he's he's playing his his, his dad in the film. If I, it's been years since I've seen it. I think he plays his dad, and he like meets him for the first time in like forever. You know, in terms of the story, he meets him for the first time forever. And they kind of have a little kind of uh, kind of meeting, and then he kind of just flies off up in the air. Yeah, it just just disappears at a sort of a speed of light. It's hilarious. It's just you know, it just it just looks really odd. It's a really odd bit of uh, storytelling, but it's you know technically fine. But it's just you know from a story storytelling perspective, it's just it's quite peculiar. But. Yeah, I was asking because uh, I was wondering if it kind of felt like it was a movie that a Hong Kong movie that was. Uh, you know, in a, in a in a good transition phase, uh, phase between uh, the kind of effects we were talking about and embracing the new technology. So, but it was not a yeah. mem- memorable mixture of. Uh, it was not like an updated Buddhist palm that felt cool or anything. It was just. Um, it's not a film I ever particularly liked, but it's probably uh, pretty correct in uh, in in sort of pegging it as sort of somewhere between. You know the kind of the kind of effects we're talking about here, and sort of the modern kind of era. Mm-hmm. It's quite. It is. I think it is kind of somewhere there. It's kind of a, a little bit of both. So, you know, in that respect, it, it you know it, it works. It works fine. But if anything, the best CGI I've seen out of Hong Kong cinema that I can think of is in various uh, Pang Brothers films. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the effects work in the eye. For instance, it's a quite fantastic. Uh, the the room that sw- changes at the swing of the like pendulum and the clock. I thought that's just simple, oh, yeah. great stuff. And recycle, I think was had, you know, as a, it's quite a fireworks of effects. But I thought that was very well done. And uh, yeah. I think that they they've had they had some great ideas about uh, uh, about effects work in the in their films. I haven't seen all of them. I know for a fact that some pang. Pang Brothers movies are pretty bad, but uh, so, some of the ones I've seen are very, very solid, including the eye. I think it's fantastic effects. That's effort. That That's effort, and uh, you don't get effort despite sitting on fantastic high-technology machines creating this stuff all the time. 
Yeah, I think the, the stuff that looks believable is the stuff that you, you definitely can't do with physical effects, uh, as you can send can send the stuff with the, the room and stuff like that. I think if you can't do it physically, then it, I, you know, I, don't, I don't blame you for doing it digitally, but it's almost more believable because I haven't seen it physically. I know it can't be accomplished physically, so it's not as bothersome as opposed to when there's like blood effects when it's fucking really easy to get some squibs and, and pop them off, you know. Well, obviously that's not what people are looking for that they, they think that people you know modern day film goers aren't going to appreciate that it's mostly people that you know are, are fans of the older stuff and mostly i mean they, they, they're basically they're, they're going towards people who go to cinema these days that aren't really film fans you know they want stuff that's kind of easy to watch and for people like that i think cg you know suffices doesn't it unfortunately yeah uh it's uh it made it make us, you know, old farts turn off certain <laughs> movies. Ken, I'm only 22 and I, I fucking hate it. It make us old, makes us uh, old farts in terms of our fandom of cinema. Yep. Yep. This movie, Ghost Snatches, de- deals with, you know, horoscopes and yin and yang and what have you. And if you don't know about that stuff, like, like I, the, you know, they don't explain it too much for you. You, you either need to study up on it or try to, you know, follow the film but what they do here is quite clever intentional or not because one character that has this explained to to him about the yin and the yang and the position of the building causing all of these spooky spooky things character simply asks okay tell me how to fix it so that's like where i come in as a viewer okay i didn't get that but now they're gonna try and fix it okay i'm i'm with the plot now so they don't you know make it a plot for the initiated only you know and 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 uh, scenes though that need that are for initiated only are whenever Hong Kong cinema does uh, mahjong scenes, mm. we, we, which are always lost on me. But here's the <laughs> here's the twist. You, you guys don't know mahjong, neither of you. Nah. Oh, I know what it is, but I don't have to play it. No. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it comes up in uh, Killers oh, no, as that. well. So uh, yeah. So, but here the 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 twist is, if you will, that. While the the males are playing mahjong, Joyce Gudensi and Joey Wong are watching it from a distance, and Joey Wong has given a chance to see what's going on in the supernatural realm around them. And then you have a I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it is like an an anteater with glasses that sort of sort of is the mahjong spirit going around uh, going around the mahjong table smoking. And affecting the game that way, and it's a really bad puppet. But... Like Gordon, Gordon the Gopher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was looking at the nose more than anything, the snouts. But 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 man, I, I, that that's obviously very bad. But I, I think that's so endearing, and be, 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 because they put the cigarette and the sunglasses on him. <laughs> and and it's not as energetic as Seven Curse, obviously, and obviously a step down in if you want to talk about the puppets uh, and all of that, but. I don't know. It's not a black spot on Nam's um, filmography. This uh, sequence, anyway, I absolutely loved it. And what it was about the sequence, how it played into the story, I don't care. It had that. It, it had the puppets. And uh, but having said that, the banter uh, around the table. I think it's one of uh, Michael Chan's scenes as well. It's uh, it, it's the banter is energetic and fun. It's not the grating and annoying the way the characters interact. So um, it, uh, you know, it's. It's good fun, but so do, I, do you guys have anything to say about that? Uh, that out of the blue sight of the uh, the anteater or the uh, gopher? 
What about uh, what about you, Tom? Um, at this point in the film, I, I wasn't really surprised that it was coming. It was kind of, I think that's probably what the word, the, the, the kind of thing about this film. I was expecting it more to kind of strike a fine balance between the horror and the comedy, as as Seventh Curse did. And it's not really, as you as you said, it's more of a kind of a wacky comedy with these kind of ghostly bits and these these, these small physical effects kind of placed in. So I mean, at that point. It, anything goes <laughs> so it, it didn't really surprise me it's it's quite it's it's a fairly funny scene but it, it kind of almost boggled me a bit with just how random it was <laughs> especially especially the appearance <laughs> of of him and, and as you say Ken the way they've kind of dressed him up was uh, yeah a bit of a strange one <laughs> I mean, it's in a entirely uh, different scene I really like seeing the uh, ass kicking skeleton again yeah, we have we have a fighting skeleton also in this film. I was going to yeah. say, like, same yeah, yeah, we'll get to that shitter. towards the end when it's really memorable <laughs> stuff. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, when the movie finally brings in more physical effects and a little bit of gore, it's uh, it's in that sequence where Chan Wai Man uh, is encounters uh, the cross-eyed security guard, which whose name is I've never looked him up. He's in the Young Master as well. Where you, the, uh, Utah one. Utah one, very correct. Utah one. And he's in the Young Master, one of the, uh, the chief of police uh, fighting Jackie in the temple. In yes. the Young Master. I think he is the one that gets the sword pressed to him and Jackie goes... So rather than that, one of the two free cross-eyed guys in Hong Kong cinema, uh, you know, let's <laughs> give him a name. You, you, know, you know, say Utah one. One of the other ones tends to be a toe-suming... Uh, you know when you see him. He's not in this one, but uh, you know when you see him. Uh, having said that, let's let, let's not pause for editing purposes. But I remember looking at oh yeah, Tosu Ming is in this movie. He's the TV host, what? the TV that sort of is uh, you know affecting the environment outside of him. Uh-huh. Is who's speaking to uh, Utah One in the. So yeah, that's the other cross-eyed fella in uh, Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> But it was a different role for him, you know. He was uh, actually uh, you know, a ghostly apparition, if you will. But but the scene and, and where that was leading into is so that when Utah One is essentially, you know, either dead or possessed, he encounters uh, Chan Wai Man, and I love the fact that Chan Wai Man throws him onto the wall, and he sticks like almost uh, Velcro <laughs> to the wall. You know what I mean? It's a very cool little wire assist uh, thing. But then all of a sudden scaring, you know, Chan Wai Man to death, I think, or kills him in the scene. He, he rips off his head and reveals still his head underneath that head with brain and gore and goo and ah, yeah, baby. This comes out of nowhere. I like this. Yep. You know, not just, you know, a, a guy who uh, uh, has a blue light in his face or a green light in his face. He rips off his entire face and his face is still there underneath, but all more goo underneath it. <laughs> That's fun. I, I would love to see a more distinct mixture of that, uh, to, to be honest. Um, but but I like what's there. That's my point of sort of semi like in the field. But at least it's you know at least I got, got something and I enjoy what I got, uh, even though it was kind of a trek to to get to it. Uh, and Joey Wong has a nightmare sequence that ends with a um, a guillotine coming down on her. It's not a gore sequence, but that's that that was also kind of surprising, uh, uh, effective stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, you, you, more more great effects is when they you know we, we should we should have probably mentioned this when we were talking uh, CD and all of that but again endearing when you see Joyce Cadenzi draw charms on people's hands and the charms are animated yeah <laughs> I, I, I can't I love that yeah. stuff even if it's 
one such shot in a movie. I Some movies are actually very, very much elevated for me, from this time anyway. Uh, you know, when you're kind of just comfy... You, you 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 know these are not maybe the best people if you're talking in a general sense doing these kind of effects but they are doing it god damn it i'm comfy now i like this now <laughs> so um but but probably the worst effect but i like it is uh, the uh when namna choice choice a character split in half and it's actually the actor painted on cardboard and two cardboard bits <laughs> Being pulled apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, yep. but, it, but it's not endearing, guys. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, le- they it left it fun. in. It was not like uh, Wong Jing as planner said, guys, 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 leave that out. It's not working. It, it, because they don't pull it apart and you see, like, goo in between, you know. It's just cardboard being pulled apart. Two papers. <laughs> <laughs> so... But then again, when you move to like a sequence in Takashi Miike's Ichi the Killer, where a similar thing happens, which is done with CG, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if that necessarily works better. Uh, yeah. But 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 I haven't seen Ichi the Killer to judge uh, fully uh, the context of it. But uh, uh, you know, so so it's it's it, it, we're in territory, at least fair territory, where Namna Joe is exploring horror and special effects. So, uh, but m- moving on to to the ending here, the there's decent energy up to the ending, but I think we can all agree that the ending has the best energy. Mm. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. the scene in Hell where they, um, where Wong Jing and Stanley Fong are. are, are. So, um, if we start with you, Tom, uh, do, do you have any notes on the ending uh, before the skeleton uh, fight? <laughs> or do you uh, want to move on to the skeleton uh, fight? I'll move straight on to the skeleton fight, Ken. Go on, go on mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we have, we have also a fighting skeleton in this film, um, same as you do with Seventh Curse, but it, it's done a bit shitter. It's not as kind of... Mm. As <laughs> it's not as kind of well for me like animated as as the one in no it's not actually animated but as kind of you know put into motion as well as as the one in Seventh Curse but it is quite funny and I did like the um, the bit where <laughs> where Wang Jing's shoe comes off and um, the outcome of the whole fight was uh, was very uh, satisfying. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to say too much I don't specifically say what it was but that was that bit was really good. What about you, David? What do I want to say about the ending? Oh yeah, I mean the the, the skeleton scenes are uh, classic. I love it. They like trading the uh, trading nut shots. That's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, skeleton drops. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and uh, like the double the fun by having you know the head takes on Stanley Fung and the body takes on Wong Jing. Yeah, that, that's classic <laughs> stuff. When that happens. Uh, but it's just really you know that's sort of you know sort of uh, you know creative. Uh, Sort of effects and just you know it just helps it helps it helps make it really you know really fun. It's a you know it's a fun fun way of uh, of doing that scene. Yeah, it's a, it, it's strange though. The final health scene starts on somewhat of a dodgy sound stage as they uh, as they enter it, and uh, Wong Jing and Stanley Fung realize they have uh, you know the ability to shoot out uh, shoot out animated effects out of their hands. Uh, let's see what I was called the thunder palm palm they call it and they 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 like shooting all these japanese soldiers so much they that they actually run out of thunder palm <laughs> so when they are going to shoot one they are very confident and then it goes limp essentially you know as soon as it you know shoots out of Wong Jing's hand it just falls immediately <laughs> and i like that stuff uh, 
but but the but the sequence gets better as this as they go deeper into the set you know when there's vines hanging all over the place and it looks more like hell and then obviously the reanimated skeleton uh, uh, scene comes in there and they, <laughs> you know it's the best energy of a night choice in the movie and uh, yeah yeah as you say you know boxing with it is great fun K- <laughs> humans and skeletons get kicked kicked in the groin and you know I, I couldn't be happier i mean it's a it's worth it to ju- finally get to this one uh, even though it's not reference work overall in my opinion in terms of where the, this in and uh, my choice filmography but uh, mm. you know talk about endearing yeah I, I i i'd agree it's a bit of a come down from i think his previous films but you know it's got a bit of imagination there there's the, the pace is not as strong but it's like I'd say Diet Seventh Curse or Seventh Curse Max. It's it, it's got a <laughs> tiny bit of flavour of, of that film. Um, Isn't Seventh Curse Seventh Curse Max? <laughs> <laughs> um, can yeah, have a think. have a think about that. Come back. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I could say Joyce Kidendi is probably the most radiant and, and beautiful she's ever looked like in this film. Because I mean, she's got a lot of roles as um, you know, there's like a bit of rough and tumble tomboy in a lot of films, but she's she's she gets a chance to play like a somewhat more feminine role here than her, than her other roles. Um, which which was nice as well, and um, yeah, there's uh, I'd say there's a bit of heart to this film, but not the one Utah one chucked at Michael Chan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some um, there, there's some extra notes I wanted to add here. Um, uh, one is about the uh, Chamwai Man, but we'll, we'll get to that. Well, I, I like the sequence at the beginning of the movie during the uh, party where the the girl uh, goes to the toilet, and then that scene turns into a mixture of. Uh, a scene in Hellraiser where and Day of the Dead essentially where there's a you know huge hallway this character is running through and there's hands from other side of the wall trying to get to yeah. her uh, so, so I always like that as a mixture of Hellraiser there's a scene I think where Ashley Lawrence is in the hospital and she opens the um, puzzle box and uh, goes into a long hallway and then eventually she's chased out of that long hallway by some kind of monster climbing the walls uh, so um I thought that was a decent little effect sequence. Uh, we we touched upon the fact that Namna Choice is cinematographer. He wasn't on this one, according to credits. Uh, uh, this gentleman, if the, it is indeed a gentleman, uh, Quan Chi Quan, which apparently did DOP duties on Peacock King and Her Vengeance as well. So it's one of the cases where Namna Choi left that responsibility responsibility to someone else, and it kind of shows, to be honest. I think we're starting to realize when the, when the movies look a little bit better than usual. Well, well, not usual, but when they do look a little bit better than 80s Hong Kong cinema in general, it seems like it's Nam shoot, uh, shooting the movie himself. And it's definitely true for Killer's Nocturne. Uh, you know, I I I didn't need to look really. I knew Namna Choi shot that, and uh, indeed it was true. So. Um, Michael Chan, he has a wonderful line. He plays a loan shark, uh, a gangster, you know, what a surprise. <laughs> and I love one line. Uh, I don't remember the exact context now, but he essentially says in the subtitles, he's very surprised that, uh, I think the subtitles go, someone in Hong Kong doesn't owe his money. <laughs> so essentially, I think he sets up uh, one of the main characters with, with a loan, and then they go to take him on such a wild ride in terms of explaining what the interest rate is going to be within essentially five minutes <laughs> so i like that maybe another commentary on on the state of hong kong economy for some reason i don't know but someone in hong kong doesn't know his money <laughs> where 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, and as we alluded to earlier in the show, uh, show Charlie Cho is in this pre-pervert days. Yep. <laughs> uh, because obviously, category three movies, as we know and love them, weren't uh, in production as such, and Charlie hadn't uh, joined that company, so to say. And, and at this time, he essentially played like slimy comedic characters doctors lawyers he's a lawyer in police story yeah uh, so that i don't know it, that was kind of his character charlie you didn't see much variation of of him uh, in movies as such and you know and, and you know that's not a bad thing it's recognizable and, and i don't think recognizable is a bad thing to have in in hong kong cinema at all times uh, so uh that's always fun uh, and that's pretty much my notes on the film do you have any more notes guys yeah, um, I actually think I I enjoyed this uh, um, more than uh, more than uh, to you. I think overall, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in on some level, I think it's actually it's a shame it doesn't have a you know um, so, you know some kind of uh, international recognition really, like Seventh Curse, and it's actually even harder to find than uh, than that film is. You know, despite its sort of latest Hong Kong DVD release. You know, on the uh, you know famous Joy Sales Legendary Collection uh, imprint, being less than less than four years ago, mm-hmm. the the VCD's still knocking around, but the, the DVD's pretty hard to find. I mean, uh, I'm going to have a look uh, look around a few kind of uh, you know uh, backstreet places in in Hong Kong when I'm there, and, and maybe try and find it that way. Um, maybe actually, maybe even the uh, the HMVs stores out there would be worth a look because. You know the price is generally a little higher than the average, and uh, mm. even on a budget range like uh, like the legendary collection, uh, you know the you know the higher price would sort of deter locals to an extent. So you know I might be able to find it. David, yeah. take take me with you. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have a look in there and see what they had on offer and the sales and stuff like that. Just oh, yeah. just a beam. I'll be taking lots of pictures and uh, annoying people that way. So. In, inside DVD and VCD shops, uh, not the boring touristy pictures of landmarks. <laughs> I'll be doing that too. You know, <laughs> here, here's me in shop one out of two hundred that I visited this week. Yeah. I'll be happy it's, to see you. It's funny. <laughs> me too. Uh, last, last time, there's a chain of uh, DVD stores. It's, it's not actually actually went out of business. It's the same because they were probably about the best uh, sort of independent chain. But I was down. I was in one of their stores. And I was literally on the floor, looking for, you know, going through this rack of uh, uh, DVDs, and the, the shopkeeper kind of ca- came alongside me. He goes, "Why no, Pukai?" He put his hand on my shoulder. He goes, "It's okay. You don't need to pray to me." Yeah, yeah. I had him looking around the shop for about ten minutes, trying to find this film on. DVD. I found the VCD, and I, you know, I was asking them if they had the DVD, and, and you know, Adam had running all around the shop trying to find it. Right on. Sounds like a great experience in the making yeah, when you go to Hong Kong <laughs> next year. Right on. Uh, anything else, David? Um, well, I mean, before you know, watching it before uh, reviewing it, it was the first time I had uh, uh, I'd ever seen it. I was, you know, you know, as I've sort of, you know, I've, uh, I've mentioned, uh, you know, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised and. Uh, for me, at least, it's it's up there. You know, I wouldn't say it was his best film by any means, but it, you know, it's up there. It's uh, it's it's very much the you know film I uh, the type of film I really enjoy. You know, 
you know, uh, horror and comedy. But although this, like we said, this one's probably more comedy and less less kind of horror. But it's uh, yeah, certainly a film I can uh, I can see uh, going back and uh, rewatching. Uh, you know, more than once. So well, I, 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 re- I really quite liked it. Yeah, and I'm in the middle of middle ground, if you will, and Tom is sort of uh, the bad, but it's fun at times. Opinion. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say a marginal recommendation. Fun in right. spots, but overall, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, I think that's a fair fair grade, actually, <clears throat> a marginal recommendation, but uh, yeah. Uh, okay, we're done for the first half of the show. After the break, little musical break, we're going to look at Nam Night Choice, Killer's Nocturne. Which is uh, we move into gambling gangster territory. No, no spooky spooky things at all. But, and a new vibe, if you will, for um, an, an evolving vibe, if you will, as the decade moves on and we explore Nam Night Chow's filmography. So stick around and listen to that after the thirty-second musical break, if you will. Bye for now. Welcome back, and it's time to look at The Killer's Nocturne, and first of all, two persons out of the cast that are featured to, uh, to a quite an extent, so we should give them a little bit of shout-out and a little bit of biographic information. And that's what Tom is here to do for us, starting with co-male lead Alex Mann. Alex Mann, uh, born in Hong Kong on July 25th, 1957. He is an actor who has appeared in numerous starring and supporting roles, uh, making his feature film debut as a doctor in Anne Hoy's directorial debut, The Secret. Before that, man flirted with ATV in the 1970s, but became popular when joining TVB in the 80s, landing the main character in several TV dramas and eventually participating in the casting side of production in the late 80s to the early 90s. Um, his first starring roles in 1981 film, the, the, the Daring Age, a.k.a. IQ Overflowing, and he quickly built up several co-starring roles with Derek Yee, Sabelle Hu, and Chow Yun-Fat, and a 1983 Best Actor nomination for his role alongside Cherry Chung for Hong Kong, Hong Kong. He racked up starring roles in several low-key productions, such as 1984's Misfire, <laughs> until he hits a strong critical recognition in 1988 with a nomination for Best Supporting Actor for Wong Kar Wai's As Tears Go By, and the same year starred in drama Gangland Odyssey, which he won the Best Actor for at the Golden Horse Awards. After appearing in 14, counting 14 productions in 1990 alone... That's uh, nothing on Simon Yam, sir. I know, a bit, of a, bit, a bit of a strange connection there with uh, Joey Wong as well, um, yeah. such, as an, such as another Gangland Odyssey, this time with Andy Lau. Yes. Um, I think it's a completely separate film, I think it's just got the same Yeah, title. yeah, yeah, the separate, that's uh, it. Alex slowed down towards the last part of the 90s and divorced from actress Tian Yu in 1996 in the 2000s after smattering roles in some fairly big movies such as 2010's Bruce Lee, My Brother. He now focuses on much of his attention um, on his business in the mainland. Right on. And I'm looking at the Gangnam Odyssey, yeah, he's co-starred with uh, Tian Yu in that one. I don't know if they were married, uh, were married at that point, but um, uh, it sparked my mind when you, um, when you, when you told me that. So. Mm. Uh, alrighty, uh, I like Alex, uh, as many people I like, but, uh, you know, uh, yep. comfort, comfort present, rugged looking and sounding as well, uh, at times, I, I loved when he, 
and I hope it was him dubbing himself had uh, raspy and almost growling like sounds at points depending on how evil he played <laughs> you know in Tragic Hero you can hear that uh, that yep. voice go places so to say but he, he's incredibly versatile as you've already uh, spoken about with so many you know different kind of roles uh, because it is easy to slot him into bad guy roles so uh, and, he's just and, a for it, doesn't he? And, yeah, yeah, very... and he loves to chew as well. He loves yeah. chewing, t- chewing into parts, taking a huge bite out of them. And uh, mm-hmm. and rich and famous and tragic hero, both are connected movies, are, are good examples of that. Especially tragic hero, where it's all balls out, insane, and uh, it's after Chinese fat's blood and everyone's blood in that one. Uh, but uh, it, it is an actor, one of many that found this steady work pace and flow in the eighties, which is for our benefit. Obviously, it created a lot of classic uh, movies. Uh, and so some of the best work I like is um, Hong Kong 1941 with uh, Chiang Fat and Cecilia Yip released, oh, by, yeah. Hong, released yeah. by Hong Kong Legends once yep. upon a time a very um, unexpected release from Hong Kong Legends it's yep. not an action yeah. movie uh, so good on that that was a good release and uh, he, he was at Shaw Brothers for a while so he, he co-starred with uh, Pata actually uh, other that we're going to talk about in a short bit in the um, erotica uh, an amorous woman of Tang Dynasty I think they have a sex scene together and uh, he, in a movie I saw like last year uh, very, it's called Flirting but it's a very good dark erotic drama that kind of toned down his rugged you know, you know villainous image in favor of uh, no no, sorry that, that, that wasn't the movie that toned down the rugged image uh, uh, that, that was kind of a uh, a harsh movie to take, but the movie that toned down that image that I'm talking about is in favor of the geeky one is in Stanley Kwan's Rouge, where he plays the uh, newspaper editor that is uh, sought out by Anita Moy's ghost that she wants to play. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I. The reaction you have is the same one I have when I watch <laughs> Rouge for the first time. Yeah. L- looking at the cast list and looking at the movie for a few minutes, wait a minute, Alex, <laughs> that's him! <laughs> Because he's, uh, he, he does look kind of way different in Rouge. And, 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 and just to finish what Anita Moy was doing, in it, she, you know, she's a ghost that's still waiting for Leslie Chung's character to reunite with him in the afterlife. And uh, they haven't been reincarnated together, so she's still walking the land of the living looking for him. And um, she, uh, she can't be seen by, uh, by uh, Alex Mann's character and uh, eventually his girlfriend, played by Emily Chu. Uh, but uh, it's a re- really good one. Uh, I, I also love action as uh, that is in such as Dragon Fighter. Uh, he's in another fan favorite called The Last Duel, very violent, um, violent sort of gangster action movies, and even category three dramas such as Hong Kong Gigolo, which, which sounds more fun than it is actually. Where, <laughs> where, where he's one of the Gigolo trio uh, struggling the most because he's not as handsome or fit as Simon Yam or Mark <laughs> Cheng. <laughs> In that one, who is? It, it's uh, it's hard to compete with Simon Yam and Mark Chang, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it's a good little movie, actually. Uh, so I, uh, I'm I'm a great fan of Alex Mann. He's more versatile than you than you might think. I haven't seen his TV work yet, but uh, I think there's chances to do so because some of it is on uh, DVD and subtitled. Uh, I, I don't know specifically what TV series, but I think there there are some still out there. So if you're you're a fan of Alex Mann, you should probably get uh, some. Uh, looks at him how he was on TV it might have been totally totally different yeah I mean I think when I, when I first think about this man I probably first remember his role in Long Arm of the Law 2 where he's the kind of the guy who's introducing the, um, the criminals to like 
like all the kind of the niceties of uh, if that's a word uh, <laughs> of um, of like the town and stuff like that. And I think he takes them out for like KFC and stuff like that. And it's kind of getting them acquainted with with the world outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in as tears go by as well. Who he's, he is very, very memorable on the I think it's the Eastern Heroes VHS cover. When he's got his mouth open, and I think he's like, it's only, is he throw a chair? He's throwing a chair or something like that in the yeah, scene. Yeah, either that or like a gas tank or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I have, it, I have the VHF somewhere. So. Yeah, which was always a, a memorable image from the film in my mind. So he, um, he, He's yeah. a fucking bastard in that movie. Though. Yeah, he's an yeah. angry bastard, so, which I think he, he, does, uh, he does very well. You wonder what, uh, looking at his filmography, moves like Crocodile Hunter. Uh, is credited as Bad Odor Chuan Mak Yun. Mm. That's his character. Bad. He's called Bad Odor. <laughs> nice. Excellent. So uh, I got to see that now. I think it's an Andy, I think it's an Andy Lau movie, Crocodile Hunter. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, might not have anything to do with crocodiles. Uh, but Ken, Ken, do you uh, do you know just 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 to uh, as a question? Do you know rich and famous and tragic hero is, is am, I, am i right in saying that was filmed as one film and then split up into two parts um not too sure if uh, they were intending one film but they did release the second one first because it had more action and treated rich and famous as a prequel uh, okay. but um i don't know if one film they seem so distinctly different one tragic hero is much better uh, so I, I don't know they, they, they seem kind of separate it's the same director Taylor Wong but um, yeah who knows I'm glad they split it up though because that th- three hours of that they, they, no 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 they, you're not Godfather at all no. there. so no. No. Uh, you may have Andy Lau and Chai Fat and uh, Pony Wong or what have you but no 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 no, no. You, Hong Kong cinema wasn't afraid to make sequels anyway so it's not like it was a bad 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 compromise to have two Chai Fat movies out at the height of his career <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Who likes What's huge that? box office? <laughs> so, yeah, my tragic hero is a better one, but uh, you know, obviously, you, you gotta watch the two, and uh, it, it's solid stuff. I mean, uh, but, but the se- second one is better because now Alex Mann is in bad guy mode, and then some. So, uh, yeah. yeah, and it has and Chai Fat and Andy Lau attacking the final uh, the mansion in the finale with uh, grenade launchers. And that's as great as you can imagine, actually. <laughs> so good fun. Um, so uh, my my views on Alex are done. Do do you have anything in particular else to add, David? Otherwise, we'll move on. Um, actually, speaking just now, like we have, I actually realised I was more familiar with his performances than uh, than with the name. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about all the films he's been in. I thought, yeah, I've seen all of this. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's. You know, he's actually, you know, like you're saying, considerable kind of versatility. I mean, you know, you know, very, uh, very convincing as as the bad guy, but you know, capable of a, of a lot more of that, a lot more than that as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there's um, his Shaw Brothers days. It seems odd to see him in Shaw Brothers, knowing what you know after Shaw Brothers. But he, he you know, as I said, he's in some good stuff. And uh, I, I want to just mention one. Th- movie where, where it was very funny and it's in uh, Choi Yun's 1985 comedy Let's Have a Baby where he co-stars with Pata. It's it's comedy, you know a friend, frenetic comedy, which is still kind of uh, distinctly different better than most frenetic Hong Kong comedies. It's a really, really fun movie and uh, they, I think that they were sexually, essentially struggling to to have a baby, you know, and uh, go to all lengths to manage to, to kind of make sure 
that happens and uh, there's some twists along the way charlie cho plays dr charlie cho in that movie uh <laughs> according to credits which is all uh, great but uh, yeah co-star with pata at least uh, two times before which is nice. uh which is cool uh and on pata let's let's hear tom talk about our leading lady yeah, Paha, the beautiful Paha, is a, was a former factory worker who threw herself straight into the big lead in, in a starring role alongside Leslie Chung in Patrick Tam's arty feature Nomad in 1982 and a double nominations in the process for Best New Performer and Best Actress at the Hong Kong Film Awards. The July 1st, 1963 born, born actress throughout her career has balanced smaller eye-candy roles in films such as Samo's Winners of Sinners and Danny Lee's Oh My Cops, which gets my, which gets my vote for Best Title and Best Poster for a Hong Kong film ever. And it's kind uh, of shit, to be honest. The movie, yeah. <laughs> Stanley yep. Fung is in it too, but it's pretty boring, actually. With, uh, yeah, with sizable, substantial roles... Um, Films such as My Name is Susie for 1985 gained Pat another nomination for Best Actress at the Hong Kong Film Awards, and throughout the late 80s she appeared in a string of gritty productions such as The Woman of Wrath, Vengeance is Mine, and Alfred Chung's On the Run. Uh, after retirement from the film industry, Pat did not rack up a single credit in the 90s due to marriage and giving birth to three children. She returned to acting in the mid-90s on a handful of Taiwanese and mainland TV series, and from there made a small appearance in the film Princess D from 2002. Last year, uh, as of 2012, she made somewhat of a comeback in three film roles, one being a fairly sizable role in Calvin Poon's High Fidelity, uh, not John Cusack. Uh, seemingly, Pat is enjoying a second go-around as an actress in her 40s and on the side owns a massage salon in Los Angeles. Wow. <laughs> Out of all things, you know. <laughs> I know. I wouldn't mind a massage from Pat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she's probably the owner rather than the massage uh, massage. Such crew, but who knows? Um, I miss Pat Harlot. Uh, I, yeah. I, I love seeing her, in particular, obviously in the eighties, since she didn't work as much in the nineties. And uh, again, a very game and iconic actress, especially when you see her in a movie like The Shore Rotiga, very, very acclaimed one uh, by Eddie Fong called An, An Amorous Woman of Tang Dynasty uh, against that Alex Mann. Very fetching in that one uh, and uh, of course in Alfred Chung's thriller on the run as you mentioned playing the hit woman that yep. murders Yumbu's wife and they team up throughout the rest of the movie talk about you know, wow <laughs> and that's not a spoiler that happens at the beginning of the movie uh, he, he knows that but circumstances demand that they sort of team up in that mm. very dark uh, Yumbu thriller um, and, and if, if Joey Wong would have been cast in Vengeance is Mine she would surely have received the abuse that Pata receives in Vengeance is Mine. It's, uh, it's on par with one of those type of abusive scenes that I talked about for Joey Wong. Really tough stuff without being category free necessarily. And uh, I, I loved her comeback in Princess D. I, I thought that was such a great role uh, where she essentially played the demented mother of Angelica Lee's character. And uh, she, she was so so good in that one. I think that movie is best uh, in terms of its supporting uh, characters. Uh, it's one of Anthony Wong's very best roles, I think, in Princess D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing see Anthony yeah. so comfortable, liking being somewhere is uh, sort of magic. I mean, uh, out of all you know, stupid scenes that I remember, Anthony Wong uh, serving tea to Angelica Lee's Ling and watching her taste the tea, he wants her to sort of uh, appreciate the tea like he does. And it's, it's such a minor sequence that's just so pleasant to watch and uh, and Pata has, has a wonderful moments with Angelica Lee as well. The, the movie you mentioned, The Woman of Wrath, is actually 
quite a standout, very rare, a Taiwanese drama, mostly village set where she plays an abused wife. And it's one of those movies that was in the Ocean Shores catalog of movies, but never made it to DVD. Uh, so uh, it's a shame, actually. Um, very good, a tough movie to take, actually. And, and she plays a, a very low key because she's an obviously abused character that doesn't have it in her to, to uh, sort of, you know, shout back at her husband or anything until the end. Well, I found I, I, I'd never heard of the film either, but just researching it, I found some lobby cards and pictures of it. And it looks very brutal. Yeah, uh, yeah, essentially. Film, well, well, yeah, throughout it's pretty brutal, but um, yeah. the, the lobby cards essentially depicts a lot of the ending, but it, it doesn't really, really spoil it there. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not. It's a different vibe being a Taiwan movie in this case. Yeah. And and I think I'll bring it up to you guys eventually. I think it's a good movie to bring up on Podcast on Fire sometime. I have the uh, copy of the Ocean Shores Lace Disc. Uh, nice. So, um, yeah. Do you miss Patao? Have you seen her in those three roles, uh, David? So you're kind of uh, like familiar with her nowadays. Yeah, I'm, I was more familiar with the, with the, na- uh, the name than with the performances until recently. But but I did see one of her very uh, recent roles. She was in uh, the Woman Night of Mirror Lake, um, Herman Yao's uh, recent movie. Mm-hmm. She had a, a terrific uh, supporting role in that, and. Uh, you know, it, I definitely I want to go out and uh, find out, find some more uh, some more films to uh, you know from a sort of from a from a heyday I suppose to to watch because in in that in that film in that role it wasn't sort of uh, it wasn't really showy uh, but it's a real kind of like a pivotal uh, perform you know uh, r- r- role in the film and she really kind of uh, you know it was just you know a terrific kind of a veteran performance it's really sort of assured. And uh, you know, very kind of uh, just a, just a really w- well judged performance. Just she mm-hmm. just gets it sort of. Uh, she gives the role exactly what it needs. You know, it's you know, it's a it's a significant role in the film. You know, it's uh, in terms of the uh, development of the story, and uh, she just she really nails it. It's you know, it's a terrific uh, sort of you know veteran's performance. As uh, you know, it's a, it's. A, Probably uh, one of one of the best, if not the best, uh, single performance in that in that film, actually. And the third movie so. she was recently in was uh, Wong Ching Po's "Let's Go," which uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, if you read a love HK film, uh, Skinny, uh, while a tougher sell to general audiences, "Let's Go" should charm genre geeks with its abundant love of Japanese superheroes and other genre films. Totally ridiculous and also entertaining, despite the second act to drop into punishing melodrama, and. Uh, as for Pata, he, he gives a, a Koso... Yeah, it was Koso who wrote it. Uh, says this about Pata. As his mother, uh, Juno Max, mother, uh, Pata charmingly brings out Max's vulnerable side. So, um, there you go. Good, good grade for Pata in her third... <laughs> sort of third movie. Uh, so, hopefully some more stuff. Yeah, that'd be great. Yep. Um, right on. So, let's... Talk about what this uh, what this killer's nocturne is uh, is about then, and uh, this uh, plot I stole from Yes Asia or borrowed or copied, if you will. Good so, thing we like them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Call some of the guys from from Yes Asia. Yeah. Uh, humiliated, humiliated by gambling king Low, played by Patrick Che, eight years ago. Uh, Yen Li Shan, played by Alex Mann, returns to Shanghai with one thing on his mind: revenge. 
He acquires Casino and Nightclub Endless Night and forces Lowe to his death during a uh, Mahjong game, essentially. And not even Lowe's son, Chi Feng, played by Shin Su Ho, can escape Yem's vengeance, but he manages to barely escape with the help of a club singer, Pat Ha. Uh, forced to leave everything behind, Chi Feng jumps town and becomes an underground boxer, all, wi- all the while biding his time. So, it's a you know, we obviously want to talk about certain elements first, but uh, we got to restrain ourselves before we talk about the, any boxing scenes. So, no. so, so, so again, starting with you, Tom, uh, what's your brief opinion about Killer's Nocturne? Um, yeah, it's, it's the most un Nam Nai like film in his catalogue so far, and in my eyes, it's uh, it's a dev- it's a very different and interesting anomaly in his uh, in his filmography. Cool, interesting. Uh, that should. Uh, that should uh, bring up some cool discussion. See what you actually mean. That one, so <laughs> good, good one. What, what about you, David? Um, for me, it's a film that's about uh, technical execution because it looks fantastic. Uh, just you know, it's really, really well staged. It looks, you know, the sets are terrific. It's it's shot magnificently. Um, the story doesn't didn't grab me particularly, but um, agree, agree, yeah. Um, that's not as big a criticism as it might sound, because you know, you know, when you consider it, really, uh, the nuts and bolts of uh, uh, many uh, gangster films, you know, western or eastern, uh, you know, uh, bear considerable uh, similarity. But um, yeah, it's it's a film that's for me is just more more about this, how it sort of how it looks, how it's how it's shot. Mm-hmm. But you know. Um, uh, over and over the storytelling, really. Yeah, um, I, I do really like the film. I find it very entertaining, and it has tons of violence and uh, really well made, as you said, guys. And uh, uh, a few too many characters, but uh, that's not um, a huge uh, uh, detractor to film. But um, it's a uh, it's very simple in actuality. I think uh, they uh, they uh, started to get a bit more complicated, uh, too complicated in terms of how many characters they features, which aren't many, but it's still a mm. bit too many. But we'll we'll talk more about that and. Uh, you know, on, on the subject of elegance and technical execution and all that, Nam is back as cinematographer. Uh, he's on cinematographer, which is always great, and and it's therefore also not a quick quickie production. I mean, it's uh, put together with care. It's well costumed and shot. Obviously, the opening sequence at the nightclub, showing Pata singing uh, or dressing first, of course, in evocative shots and sexy shots and all of that, and uh, you know, just the height of. 20s Shanghai, if you will, uh, and uh, and and you see several characters that uh, inhabit this world, including including Alex Mann in white, which is as dumb as he looks in the film. After that scene, of this intro scene, he looks kind of badass. <laughs> I don't know. I love the image of Alex Mann in white, but he kind of looks uh, silly. But uh, it's great <laughs> still, you know. And uh, and in the club, you see the likes of Xing Fuyon, you know, his immortal demeanor on screen. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, he lights his match off the waiter, which is <laughs> superbly cool. And, <laughs> and when he doesn't get his way, he turns essentially into a rapist. You know, he, Xing Fuyon has made his mark, and Nam Joy is sort of set up that uh, it might be glorious Shanghai and, uh, and its uh, environments are great, but it's uh, gangsters inhabits this world. And. Uh, Gangsters duke it out in this case over mostly over uh, the mahjong table, which makes this kind of a gambling film. But 
and because there's lots of mahjong, but thankfully, we are never lost because Nam Nai Choi doesn't structure it around mahjong. We know every beat that comes out of the end of uh, the mahjong scenes, usually death and violence. So uh, that's a uh, that you know it takes skill to maintain and shoot various scenes such as that because it's scenes shot at a table which uh, if you listen to directors is the more, most boring thing ever to shoot scenes around the ta- table and dialogue and uh, but Nam Nai Choi shows a lot of confidence here and uh, the likes of Wong Jing did as well when shooting uh, various gambling scenes in the 80s and 90s so it's all good setup for uh, for this world I think so what do you want to Lead with uh, Dan Tom. What do you want to continue talking about? Uh, yeah, I mean, what 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 really struck me was how kind of mundane the first maybe half or so of the film is coming from a director like Nam, whose previous films all tend to draw you in with a bang, you know, something gory or crazy or thrilling. Where uh, in this film, it does take some time to uh, to sink its teeth in, as as kind of David hinted on. I don't think it ever fully got me, kind of, you know. It, Interesting. I was interested in the film. In terms of the storyline, it didn't particularly grip me, and um, it's just it, it 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 kind of. I think it differs from his other films as well. Just how quiet it is. You know, even something like Alec Mann's uh, sex scene with Pat High is quite quiet, and it, it's like no frills. And to be honest, the first half of the film didn't do a lot for me. It was nice to look at, but I mean, it, it, it didn't draw me in. Um, as, as, as the rest of his films have so far. It's normally something crazy that kind of makes me go, oh, yeah, well, what's this about? And kind of leads me in. But he really took his time with this one. It's more of a, a slow kind of drama. And that's, that's what I said in the beginning. It doesn't feel like an amateur film. Um, and he, he, near the end, it starts to feel um, like his previous work. But, yeah, it, it's a very different film from the rest of his stuff. It's kind of worth sticking with it, though. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree. Because the last half hour... Uh, in particular, has some uh, good st- good stuff to offer. Yeah, what are you thinking of that in that regard, David? Uh, in terms of the pacing and setup. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it is like Tom says, very different to uh, a lot of well, pretty much everything was we watched uh, so far. But um, I was, you know, like I said, the story didn't uh, necessarily uh, grab me. I was constantly uh, sort of kind of remarking. Or you know uh, that it's just how fantastic it looked. Mm-hmm. It looks it looks stunning, and you know, it, and it really um, gives it this fantastic look. That it, you know, in an odd kind of way, it actually makes some of the more extreme kind of elements of the film um, kind of feel like fully integrated, which seems really odd because they're supposed to kind of stand out, but they almost kind of. I wouldn't say they blend in, but they kind of, you know, it, they fit into the film, even the sort of kind of, you know, more, you know, sort of uh, outlandish sequences like, you know, the, like the famous kangaroo sequence. Yes, sir. Now, you wouldn't typically expect to, to see something like that in a sort of a period kind of gangster film, but it kind of, it, it kind of makes sense, you know, within the context of the film and, 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 and that, you know, it looks, you know, it seems, it seems right, but. Um, yeah, I was just, you know, I was just, um, I was just sort of, uh, just the, how it looks and everything is just so, you know, it's just terrific. It's just amazing. I think it kind of, uh, d- despite it being slow, uh, the combination of production values and a certain tension, knowing, n- knowing that we, n- we don't know what we're headed at and how violent 
it, it actually turns at some points, you know, uh, even during the first half. I think that, that that made me think that it was not very slow. Actually, I I, I like that it was kind of evenly uh, evenly developed and uh, and uh, and uh, thankfully early we we we, we get. Uh, Another reason why I think yeah, I wasn't bored at all, and, and is the fact that Alex Mann is absolutely terrific in this movie. You know, after that wonderful still that everyone posts from the movie of him in white, you know, you <laughs> you, you get that suave and dangerous, but not overdone Alex Mann. You know, no overdone glare or anything, and no overdone post dubbing or anything. You know, he does you know bite into this role quite a bit but it's it's a scarier role because he's not over the top it's the it's a very confident character that sets up various competitors at the mahjong table and what have you and uh, and uh, you know he's good at putting on an act the character of being very inviting and very respectful and then later on in a in the various mahjong scenarios including the one versus uh, patrick uh, you know it turns really violent, you know, and, uh, and I really like that. I think it's uh, one of the better Alex Mann roles in that regard, and he looks pretty much at his, uh, as good as he ever has in movies, I think, uh, in this movie. Just, uh, you know, he benefits from the fact that it's a very good production, you know, and, and, and responds to it, too. It's not like you just can clothe someone and light someone, and then, then that's fine. He, he needs to be in it as well, and he, he definitely is. But 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 in terms of depth in the movie, I, I mean, it's it it's so and so. I mean, it, there's a the character that's a that's a brother of Alex Mann character, Alex Mann's character, actor Alex Toe, who's the younger brother who's still studying, and he fights. Uh, you know, he wants to fight for the society and for the people. And on the other side of that is Alex Mann's character, who just wants you know power and uh, to take out his revenge on the people that hurt him prior, you know, his uh, resentment against everything after being, having been spat on, and that's and self-centered and has no patriotism patriotism and no belief. And that that's fine, but the problem is that the brother character, Alex Toll's character, is an example of a character that doesn't feel very well integrated. I think he's, he's there in three, four scenes, including walking in on Alex Mann and Pata having sex, and later on, later on sent off by Chin Suho, and, and I thought the, the character really didn't matter. They, they could have simplified it even more. Um, and there's even a love interest introduced very late for Chin Su Ho, which didn't really matter either. Okay, it did give us a sex scene with nudity, but uh, um, um, you know, as much as I like that, I can also say that th- 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 this is taking up time, but we can do something else. M- m- yep. so, so I think that they could have really simplified it to keep it... Uh, you know, keep it a you know man versus man story in a way. You know, man versus Chin uh, So uh, you know, uh, uh, but 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 they made it a man versus animal story for a bit as well. We'll discuss that in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, but but what do you think of you know the 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 bursts of violence way before the the ending, the way that was conveyed, not overly gory but kind of hard hard hitting violence. Uh, what did you think about Tom? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it works. It's like little bits of um, kind of. I mean, it, not it's saying it's a it's a slow film, but it's very it's very kind of like quiet. And then when these bits do come, it kind of like flashes up. It kind of interests you. Obviously, when uh, Xing Fu Wang gets killed, 
as well, which is, which is not a spoiler, it's within the first 20 minutes, so uh, after his great introduction, um, mm-hmm. that kind of gets you interested again, but then I, then again, I don't think it takes him quite a bit of time to back up on that with dramatic stakes, like, Chief Fu dies, and then it, it takes some time to really, for that to kind of mean something, mm-hmm. um, so I think sometimes the actual, the actual, like, pace of the film is a bit overindulgent, um, and I think it's not enough really for the film to look really nice in spots because you know that it's a given you know, we can see it in the beginning it does look lovely and then I think maybe about half an hour when it starts to kind of slow really down and it doesn't pick up again until the final half hour so yeah I mean it, it, but the, the, yeah the violence I mean it, it does get better near the end the beginning bits and pieces are good but as we speak about the last half hour really kind of kicks up a notch and, and gets even better yeah, what about you David? Yeah, I mean the, uh, I think it's the story telling is fine. The 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 the, the bursts of, of violence they work uh, in terms of the uh, the execution and the story. Um, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing. Uh, it doesn't, you know, they make sense. They they're perfect, uh, you know. They're a perfect fit for the story, and um, I don't know. It's just didn't, it was. Um, like Tom was saying, for me, for me it was quite, uh, it was quite slow. It just, you know, it, you know, the context was, you know, they were fine within the context and it worked. But I didn't sort of, it, I didn't, it didn't grab me for some reason. Mm. I can't really, I can't really pinpoint it. Mm. Uh, why? But then um, violence, such as when Chin Su Ho slice slices someone's neck with a, a vinyl record, is that? <laughs> like, Whoa! Here yeah. we go! <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! You know, because that's, you know, almost kicking it into, you know, oh, is he going to go all out gory on us as well? Yeah, well, why not? He, you know, he doesn't. But uh, that's a kind of uh, un- n- not necessarily a standard image from a Hong Kong movie that someone has his neck sliced, sliced with a vinyl record. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I I just enjoy, you know, the hardness and the grit of uh, of uh, the various violence towards the uh, the Alex Mann competitors, if you will, including Xing Fuyong. And there's <laughs> a, a great little moment in his uh, death scene that you actually find his mother, I think, is being tortured or actually killed. And uh, when he finds finds that Xing Fuyong, uh, the subtitles read, Who is more inhumane than I am? You know, who's been more inhumane than I am? Mom! <laughs> And I thought that was such a great moment. I mean, I thought I was evil. Look what they've done. That's more evil than I can ever. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Uh, but uh, and 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 the the notion of revenge is uh, is kind of human too because Chin Su Ho, after his, uh, he finds his dad in the street, you know, Patrick Chia having fallen out the window, he goes, he wants you know revenge immediately, and he goes in, you know, to the lion's den with a baseball bat. You know, very feeble. You know, just setting himself up for failure, and uh, and uh, I like that as a sort of human element. And then, then he quickly gets literally uh, kicked out of the scene, uh, scene and down the stairs in a pretty nifty stair stunt performed by uh, Chin Su Ho. Uh, he, falls, he, he falls down once and then is kicked one more time and takes the entire fall all the way down to the street, essentially towards camera. Uh, that was pretty nifty to me. I don't think you can do that very easily without taking some bumps along the way. You, you need oh, to do it uh, with an intensity too. I agree. Yeah. 
so so, so he's, he's um and, and and then I, I don't know what you thought of this but i thought it worked actually um his connection to patar's character is obviously in love with her and uh you know he uh he worships her you can see that earlier in the film when lo- looking at looking at her, at her window from down below and all of that but not being of, of the same social class uh, mm. yet i mean he, he seems privileged but they, it's not like he can just walk into the club and go hey but they do manage to strike up a connection and and it's kind of unspoken to the way she is drawn to him i think and uh and, and it kind of works i think uh it's probably because she's been so used by Alex Mann's character that uh, she's drawn to someone who isn't using her, and and she even takes initiative to um, uh, in terms of their sex scene together. Yeah, so, I mean, when she that that scene, I think was because obviously he's got hurt. She's she's looking after him, and I think that scene when she's the one that decides to initiate after kind of all the time of her looking at her and and kind of chasing after her. She's the one that you know goes up to the bed and starts to kiss him, which I thought was was quite sweet and 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 different um different I'm, i i commend nana choi for kind of flipping things around a bit with that one mm-hmm. and, and i should state right now we 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 won't uh spoil certain key aspects of this story uh uh never stated that before so uh we we will talk about certain specific scenes but uh, not spoil mm. the entire story so don't worry about that uh because we we all know of uh, like one key moment that is something you don't want to find out beforehand uh no. so uh, in terms of uh character fates yeah <laughs> so I, I won't say too much uh you know he was thrown down the stairs obviously thrown down the social ladder and and we, we led into one of the sort of Okay, now it's an Amnai Choi movie, sections of the movie, uh, because Chin Su Ho eventually uh, put, starts participating to uh, gain money in underground boxing, which starts out, you know, all, all nice and common for a Hong Kong movie. He, 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 he fights a bolo, he's actually in the movie, he fights him, and it seems like that's probably the most, uh, the, the ultimate opponent, uh, which it uh, isn't. And uh, because he, there's more fights shown in a pretty nifty montage uh, that he, he presumably fights like five, six, seven people and and uh, loses every time because there's more money in losing. And and the montage is pretty nice because it's a slow motion montage of maybe one hit from each fight. Uh, one does hits with sounds on the soundtrack you, that you go that go, doo, 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 doo. you know, b b b beat essentially. So, so Babolo isn't the ultimate one, and you know you can't, you can't, not you can, you must speak of what Chin Su Ho faces in this movie, and uh, he faces off against the kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> and who know that underground boxing in Shanghai had, had this? You know, a kangaroo with uh, uh, cougar sounds. It sounds. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? I'm gonna try and. Not try, and I will appear very stupid here. Very, very stupid. Very naive. Okay. Is this real? That must be a real kangaroo in some shots. It's a real kangaroo. It's it's definitely a real kangaroo. That can't be a fake kangaroo. I mean, there's, I there, there, there's inserts and close-up shots of, uh, you know, uh, where, with, uh, of the claws and what have you, and legs. Uh, that I know is fake, but this must be a real kangaroo, mostly. That's, it's it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be. I think it's the best... Looks the best like it. Yeah, definitely. Look, the best thing for me was that we get an hour in, we get Bolo, Bolo Young, and then to top it off, we get a motherfucking kangaroo <laughs> 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 which is 
which was just amazing. But it's just, for me, the weirdest thing was the whole kind of introduction because you see it and it's like massive. It looks like a T-Rex. It looks like a T-Rex against the black background and it looks massive. And then, it, it, yeah, it's just this weird kind of, it cuts, I think, yeah, like it, it, it's, it's, it's a real kangaroo and then it cuts the scenes where he's getting scratched and obviously he gets, um, he gets jump kicked in the in the stomach a couple of times as well. I that don't looks know real that as well. I mean, that looks real as well. I don't know whether that was real, but that looked very painful if it was real. And I think there's some small things that look like pork chops hitting furry pork chops hitting, um, <laughs> hitting him in the face, which I think they're they're definitely um, close with their fake kind of their fake like paws. But yeah, it's yeah, just, uh, it's just, just like uh, you know, just like in Jackie and Sam movies, when someone gets say you know a foot to the to the face yeah, they obviously yeah. have a close shot up and it's obviously someone's arm inside a you know trouser leg and all that so i mean that yeah that's trickery we know of but you know i looked at this and, and I, I did i don't care if i come off as stupid because i if that was fake that's pretty fucking well fake but uh yeah i mean uh, the humane society probably not very keen on this scene because they obviously are putting uh you know <laughs> using this animal yeah but uh yeah, but it gets in some, uh, you know, hits and, uh, on Chinsuho, so I guess it's, it's fair. If you're stupid, I'm in the same boat, mate, and we'll both go down together in, in the shoot, because I, for me, that that was definitely a real kangaroo. And I want someone to actually contact us and let us know whether it was real or not, because it's got to be, and if it is, it just makes that scene just even better in, in my mind. But in some ways, no matter how much I love that scene, it almost do you to you guys does it almost feel doesn't fit with the rest of the film it definitely does not <laughs> i mean uh, no, but, but no, i love it, the unexpected nature of it and it's over fairly quickly so it's not like you, you can't be bored when watching this i don't approve no. of this <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 i mean it, it's the magic of hong kong cinema regardless no. if it's logical or not in terms of the storytelling i mean i i, I love having my eyebrows raised and this was when i first saw this yeah, I, but... I, I, I saw it on VCD a few years ago, so this is my second viewing, and I didn't know of that beforehand, which is the great experience with Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and, yes. and, and knowing Nam Night Choi now, it's not terribly unexpected that you go, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, so. That's funny, funny. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it has to be a pretty crazy movie for a, a scene that like that not to stand out <laughs> that's a uh... touche my friend yeah. <laughs> and yet it's kind of topped though I mean yeah we're going into the ending but it's not you know fairly fairly covering the dramatic beats of the ending because you 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 gotta talk of the you know action director Chris Lee's contribution to this movie and the, the ending the, the final five six uh, it's a gambling ending partly but then a fighting ending too and uh, it's probably the the best Hong Kong action scene of the eighties that no one knows of. Oh, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Ken. I mean, uh, I've never seen people taking either faked hard hits, you know, well conveyed faked hard hits, or actual hard hits for our enjoyment in, in this kind of continual ouch, 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 ouch way. Because it's Chin Su Ho versus Chris Lee and two or three other henchmen. And they are throwing him and themselves into walls, onto edges of tables, into, you know, j just taking environments that usually consist of heavy stuff 
you know, heavy porcelain stuff in, in the scene, and obviously they don't, you know, uh, they, they use uh, more faked porcelain, if you will, in certain scenes. But it's just amazingly animalistic and hard hitting, you know. Yeah, the dude who gets his uh, his head smashed through the, I think it's the, the door frame. Yes, exactly. Which, which in slow motion. Very, yeah, which is very unique and just awesome. It, it was. It was definitely, uh, as you said, Ken. It's just. It's definitely an underrated kind of hidden fight scene of of the of the eighties. It's absolutely amazing. And to top it all off, you get some really kind of brutal fire um, fire effects at the end with literally like two or three dudes just set on fire. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Which we've seen too much of in Hong Kong cinema. It's like, hey, they're doing it again. Yeah, you know, know. know, it's amazing, but it's almost like it's becoming standard now that these crazy stuntmen are performing uh, performing such uh, amazing fire stunts. Yeah, it's true, but I I, I think because obviously you had that the emotional resonance there as well because someone's in that fire. Um, Yep. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, one of the main uh, actors, um, and not main actors, uh, uh, supporting actors, elder actors, actually. Performing most of the fire stunts himself when he's yeah. at the lower level, yeah, uh, that looked kind of admirable to me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I don't want to know do how it. Chin Su Ho identifies him because to me he looked like a well done chicken. That, <laughs> that, <laughs> that one close up. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. you know, have you ever? Uh, you know, I'm sure you have. Uh, but but you know, it's still a standout movie in terms of how hard hitting and painful and animalistic this this scene is and it's not a scene with um weapons violence they're just them using themselves and the environment to just smash themselves into it and using the environment to smash you know other characters as well you know you know i can't think of many movies that i've been this impressed with it also that you know even headbutts that can be faked very well are so fucking painful because they use you know such great effects sound effects you know you know, just hard. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and and slow, you know, when you slow down those head, you know, effects as well. Mm. <laughs> you know, wow. And, uh, you know, at one point, you know, Chin Su Ho just bites off the, you know, the skin from the cheek of one of the, uh, you know, one of the bad guys, you know. A little bit off screen, but he shows up with the flesh in his mouth, just spits that out and sprays blood all, all over the place. <laughs> You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, we're angry now, and uh, you know, he, and uh, even uh, another stunt. And I don't know if this was Chris Lee or not who took another stair stunt, but you know, there's more of that. And and a pretty to cap it all off, uh, pre- cap it all off, a pretty impressive high spinning kick from Chin Su Ho to a another stuntman uh, done in slow motion. It, 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 the height looked very impressive. The way it just goes from ground and up, 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 up. You know, it seems like he's never going to stop. You know, <laughs> he's off and away. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. And uh, it's actually a bit, uh, a bit cut on the VCD. Uh, and I compared it to a DVD that Fortune Star put out. Uh, one of the moments, anyway, there might be some small, small moments that are added for the DVD, but one of the moments that is now on the DVD that wasn't on the VCD is when one of the bad guys gets a f- bottle shoved into his entire face, just Im- impaled. His face is impaled with a bottle in the beginning stages of that fight. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Hell yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, what about you, David? Is there anything else to add about about this scene? 
Oh no, I think that's, I think that covers it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going back a little bit to, to uh, Chris Lee then, who actually directed this, uh, he is actually directing a director, and one of the films he directed is uh, Queen's High, which um, opens with Cynthia Khan in her wedding dress blasting away bad guys with Uzi, with an Uzi. Which is a great way to open a movie. It's actually a sequence later in the movie as well. Uh, it's pretty, you know, pretty iconic stuff with Cynthia uh, with her Uzi, uh, wedding day and all. You know, <laughs> who can ask for more in that regard? In terms of uh, an opening uh, of movie, and he, and he did Shanghai Heroic Story. I saw that one. It mainly had a a memorable ending with uh, Damien Lau uh, using a Gatling gun. I believe oh, that was pretty cool. So um, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty big thumbs up from from me. I really did Killers Nocturne, uh, uh, get set into motion eventually, and uh, although it complicates its story a bit more, it, it survives because of the impression you have afterwards, violence wise, and because it's such a great production, well made and well mounted production. So, so I think that that were, makes it work tremendously well for me. Mm. So. Uh, in a way, you want to summarize, sum, sum it up, Tom? Any more words about it? Yeah, it's just I, I think it's yeah, it's it's a pretty solid film overall with some with some entertaining moments, but don't expect you know a a, a kind of standard Nam Nightshore film. So I think it's very very different from the rest of the stuff in his uh, his filmography. We're entertaining on its uh, on its own back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about your date? Well, um. Summing up for me, I mean, it is. It looks stunning. It's tremendously well, uh, well shot, and uh, and directed. And I was going to say that it reminded me, in some respects, of to be number one until I looked it up and saw that that film was made four years earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, to be number one. What uh, you mean? Four years? Are you talking about the yeah, Ray yeah, Lloyd movie? I mean, yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, that was made. Uh, um, uh, Killers Nocturne was made four years before right, okay, okay. to be number one. So, but uh, yeah, I can de- see some uh, see some parallels. Yeah, there. that had some fantastic violence as well. I, I, mm. I didn't like it overall, but I remember the um, I think it was Tony Leung Si Hong who directed the action in that one. That that was pretty pretty nasty stuff too. I, I, uh, I like when it's all when they fall hard. It just yeah. feels hard, and uh, it doesn't need to. Be, it doesn't even have to do with uh, environment being destroyed in the process or or scripts being set off or anything. Uh, uh, just w- when it appears hard, and uh, I'm I'm pretty much on board because it usually means that they are taking, you know, pretty ferocious beating too, if not uh, you know if not uh, you know as hard as the characters obviously, but uh, you know you you can't fake. When uh, you are throwing people in, no. into stuff, I mean the, the the guy who goes into the door frame in Killers Nocturne, that might be a very good example of a well faked, painful uh, stunt. Obviously, they don't, didn't do a real door frame, but being being as it's shot in slow motion, the way they constructed that part of the door frame is probably light material that is smashed into. Yeah, but it looks perfect. It looks absolutely perfect. You know, it's one that ties during this movie, and I don't do this very often. At all, when I when I literally well, you know, reacted uh, with a sound, you know, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't happen too much actually for me. That I go, you know, ow, literally. Mm. So so good, so good on you, everybody. Yeah. Um, 
I wouldn't say as well that I thought the cast was, uh, you know, contains a lot of familiar faces and is, is uniformly excellent. There's no, uh, there's no, when, there's no one having an off day, you know, uh, mm-hmm. performance-wise. They're all really, really good. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm saying overall, it not, not my favourite and not uh, one I probably return to to that often. But I think it definitely proves uh, Nemanjovic's uh, versatility. Mm-hmm. as a filmmaker because it is very different from, uh, from anything else of his that we've watched so far mm-hmm. but uh, you know in its in its own way and it's, not, and it's not going to be that similar to movies that we are mm. about to cover no. you know because one of the next movies that you know later on in the career is Story of Ricky and it's not like yeah okay let's not turn started at all yeah. <laughs> you know it's way different so it was yeah. It's real. It will definitely. I think it really does. Uh, does uh, definitely proves that versatility that he can do a number of very different films and do them. Uh, you know, all. You know, very all do them all very well. Very. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sort of. It's not like he's just you know doing the same kinds of things in in different movies and just you know, kind of, kind of doing it by you know by the numbers. He really kind of he really does he really does it tremendously well. And, yeah, you know, yeah. You would think that the uh, that the special effects uh, hard on that he had would continue co- continue in several movies, but here it kind of stopped. In her Avengers, it kind of stopped. Then Peacock King and Saga of the Phoenix, and even Erotic Ghost Stories or Ricky and the Cat. There you have you know more pronounced you know love for special effects, uh, especially in Peacock King, which is a fairly high budget movie and has. Quite a, quite a bit of special effects and, yeah. and the cat which might not have been a high budget movie has fantastic special effects so uh, so it, it seems like uh, Kills Nocturne was a testing ground for something else more hard harder violence uh, grittier violence maybe I came to men from the gutter to some some uh, extent but it, it's hard to compare those two yeah. despite it's really it's really admirable the way you can do do that and uh, um, you know and tackle these different films and uh and it's definitely him too involved in this. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not like it's the action director that carried Nam Night Choice momentum or anything in movies mm. because uh, we 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 gotten so such a firm impression of uh, the fact that it seems like Nam Night Choice is very hands on in the yeah, vision of the movie, yeah. including being there with the action directors and uh, contributing what he could and the special effects artists and all of that. It's a true, you know, true director steering everything from the top. Oh yeah, for, uh, very much so. Yeah, and uh, and it will be true for the rest of the movies as well. Uh, you know, Peacock King, Saga of the F- uh, Her Vengeance, Peacock King, Saga of the Phoenix, Rotten Ghost Story, Story of Ricky and the yeah. Cat. When I list all of those, which I've seen, I I, I see Nam Night Choi in all of them. The different quality Nam Night Choi, but uh, uh, in terms of the ultimate movie movie quality, but still, yeah. it's not uh, like yeah, I think that was ghost directed by someone else. It's not. That. Yeah, it definitely leaves his uh, leaves his mark. Definitely. You know, it's very, very distinct, and um, you know, it's. I mean, that that's the real testament that sort of you know the ability to do that. It's not, you know, it's not that common to be people who can tackle very different, different uh, stories, different genres, and 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 do so do so do so well do so well in all of them. Mm-hmm. And you know, thank, thankfully as well, uh, Killers Nocturne is, uh, you know, for those of our audience that wish to seek it out, is easier. To find uh, on uh, on DVD than uh, than uh, Ghost Snatchers is at least it certainly appears to be anyway. 
Yeah, it's part of the Fortune Star library, and it came mm. out on DVD. Uh, do get it on DVD if you really want it uncut. It's not a terrible amount that I talked about, obviously, but uh, I, I, I think the VCD is still cut because it was a different print, and the DVD, they uh, had materials uh, assembled in the, um, in the raw version without subtitles that were uh, included. I mean, it's not like the elements that were lost before are inserted, and you can see where they were inserted. It's not that, so... so. So I'm glad the DVDs offers up uh, something different uh, sometimes in terms of that. Um, okay, next episode will be a, a pretty epic one, actually. We, we're only going to cover one movie in the main show. Uh, that's Her Avengers, but his rape revenge drama starring uh, Lam Ching-Ying. Well, starring Pauline Wong and Lam Ching-Ying, I should state. And uh, Billy Chow, I think, was in that as well. Uh, good old bastard Billy Chow and uh, Shum Wai. So, but what we will be doing, we'll be covering it twice. Because what's out there is unfortunately not any ultimate version of the film. Uh, previously, there was a quite a short category free rated vcd out there of it very violent very short below 80 then fortune star said it came out and all of a sudden it was way extended even has alternate footage so the events kind of get jumbled around as well but it was unfortunately not close to as violent it was not it was a category 2 or 2b edit of the film so you, you know it's take your pick either assemble it yourself or take your pick we're gonna look at both and in a bonus episode We'll be covering the movie The Kiss of Death from 1973, starring Lord Leighton Ping, which is said to be the movie that Her Vengeance is a remake of. So that should be uh, that should be interesting to look at that. And uh, I saw a brief trailer for uh, for The Kiss of Death and Kiss of Death, and Lord Leighton has a cane in that one, as opposed to Lam Ching Ying, who's in a wheelchair for uh, Her Vengeance. And it's uh, Lam Ching Ying action directed as well, if I'm not mistaken. So. That should nice. be fun. I, I've seen that movie a bunch of times, so I absolutely dig it. Absolutely dig it. Uh, so that's next time. So Director Series 4 is coming to a close, and uh, we'll just repeat some contact information, then we're out for this this time. Uh, you've been listening to the Director Series at the Podcast on Fire Network. Website, podcastonfire.com. Email, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Register on the forum. Check us out there. Podcastonfire.com forward slash forum. Members only archive is there if you register. But you also have the bonus episodes on the website. as Including for the future director series as I just talked about. We're on, fa- <clears throat> We're on Facebook. Just uh, check out facebook.com forward slash POF network. You can have a good old chat with us in our discussion group. Type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box. And follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. Check out my stuff on sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com. Ninjas, Category 3, Hong Kong New Wave, Hong Kong Horror, Taiwan Black Movies, all a grand, grand mix of uh, trash, depending on the view you're on. But I like it. Uh, I speak of all that on twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. Subscribe to Podcast on Fire Network on iTunes. Rate and subscribe us if you like us. And listen to us on the go via the application Stitcher. Available on Stitcher.com. Download that to your desktop. And on Stitcher.com there's links to the various uh, app stores for uh, for the smartphones it's available for, including the iPhone. And tell us briefly about Hong Kong Gig Guide again. Hong Kong Day. Yeah, uh, I hopefully, uh, well, almost certainly be putting uh, a load more uh, bits up uh, in the weeks to come before I go to Hong Kong. 
Uh, ho- hopefully, including some shows that I can actually get to. So. Right on. Should be fun. Nice. And tell us about your V Cinema Show review archive, Tom. Yep, slow but sure output from me. Uh, keep your eyes open. Right on. Uh, okay, this has been Director Series 4, and uh, I've been your host, Kenobi, and with me was Tom KW. Hey guys. And Hong Kong Dave. See ya.